Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the MMA Archive Recap Show. I'm here with the MMA Wizard. I'll let you, I'll let you introduce yourself to the people. Make sure you give them your handles as well. So thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's Wiz MMA on Twitter. That's with two Z's. Uh, only Twitter for now. Looking to build that up before starting to expand into YouTube and Instagram. But super excited to be on recapping last week or yesterday's fights now. <laughs> uh, it's Sunday right now. So let's let's get right to it. Hell really, yeah. Hell yeah, man. So you guys could check me out at uh, Negron MMA on Twitter, as well as Chris Negron underscore. Most importantly, check out the brand OTS Media Co. on all platforms, as well as OTS Media on YouTube. Uh, we've got MMA content out the wazoo. I do almost three shows a week, baby, where I'm talking about MMA in some capacity. So make sure you check that out. And then I also, we do basketball coverage, NFL coverage. We got everything you need. So come check it out. If you're interested in more betting advice, we got that on all our shows as well. So anyway, we'll move on from that. Awesome night of fights yesterday. Like I'm buzzing as, as the people in, in Britain would say, um, we could jump right into it. I just quickly want to say, everyone talks shit. Chat shit get hit. If you were one of those people saying, oh, this is a trash card. There's not a lot of names. They're hyping up Patty Pimblet. Hey, that's still true. But this card <laughs> fucking delivered in a way that honestly, I don't remember. Like, this was historic shit. Like, I don't remember a card... Um, the last sort of card that came to mind when I was thinking of this one um, was the the Rockhold Bisping card, not two, one, way, way back then. And that was also a fight night card that just had a whole bunch of crazy finishes. And that's mm-hmm. what this one felt like. Like, this was awesome from start to finish. Even the the, the fights that went to decision were great. So I'm, I'm itching to get into it with you, man. Super excited, super excited, and especially after the performance yesterday, insane, insane results. So I couldn't be happier going nine and one on the bets, uh, plus 8.44 units on the night. So, yeah, pretty happy. Only lost the one. That is amazing numbers. Like, when, dude, I, I swear to God, I was going to have you on this week anyway. I, it had nothing to do with the, the bets. But when I saw that, I was like, yeah, you better rub your own back on that because that that's amazing numbers for no matter the size of the account, no matter the size of the unit. That's dope. Um, the fact that you were able to get that many wins off. Uh, but we'll get into them as we as we sort of go along the card. Please mm-hmm. uh, share those numbers while we get through it. Um, but First fight up on the card, we had Corey McKenna coming up against Elise Reed. Um, this was a fight was that I, the Mukayev fight. Not to interrupt ooh, you. No, I needed that. I needed that. Thank you. I don't know why I jumped right to it. Uh, You're let, too let me excited. See. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, I, it's because on the old bout order. It yeah, was you're right. It was that's my bad. That's my bad though. You're right. The ultimate pro here. You you love it. Thank you. Um, but the first fight of the night, Mohamed Makayev coming up against Cody Durden. Uh, please just give us the recap and give us your thoughts, man. All right. So you have Makayev coming in here uh, with probably the largest amateur uh, record that we've ever seen in a prospect going undefeated. Uh, I believe it was 23 fights, if I'm not mistaken, or 26. It's one or the other. But the man's undefeated. 
uh, one of the youngest fighters in the UFC, if not the youngest, actually, at 21 years old. Uh, and he said to himself, he's trying, he's looking to get a hold of that, uh, that record book. He's looking to take out John Jones's name from that record book as the youngest champion. And you know what? Yesterday he came out and he showed that he might be capable of doing that. Now, given that Durden is not the biggest competition, but it's his toughest test to date. Uh, came out in the first round, very confident, moving around. Uh, Durden was pressuring him, which was surprising to me, but got that flying knee in straight into the choke. Showed some really high-level grappling from Mokayev and ultimately led to the submission tap in round one. And Mokayev was one of the pieces in only one of my parlays just because A, it's his debut, and then B, just too young for me to place him in any more uh, given that he hasn't faced UFC-level competition yet. But man, was I wrong. I wish I had him in every single parlay, every single play. Just, I couldn't have been more wrong on the confidence side of things there, but very well uh, fought and very good uh, effort from him. Very excited to see him in the future. Dude, I don't blame you at all for having those feelings. Uh, obviously, we didn't have a baseline to sort of go off of. And, and in general, when the hype trains come along, you it's easy to be skeptical, especially when you're putting money on the line. So I don't blame you at all for having that read. Um, but what, what blew me away about this one was obviously he finished in 50 seconds. So great. He looked like a plus 500 favorite out there or higher. Like that he, he cashed in a big way, but what, what really blew me away on this one was like the way that knee landed, the awareness because he was immediately on him. I think if he followed up with punches, it would have been over as well. Like he didn't have mm -hmm. to get a choke. Uh, that's just how big of a shot it was. But man, like the angle that he got that choke at freaked me out. Like I was watching it. And usually when people are like sort of what's the word perpendicular like that, it's hard to finish chokes um, because you're sort of at a, at a at an odd angle with your opponent. Usually you want to have them underneath you, especially for the for the guillotine to get that right le leverage mm -hmm. uh, when you're scrambling like that. Uh, but yo, the way he was able to lock it up and, and he turned his hand, like you saw, it wasn't, it wasn't just like he, he wrapped it up and held on. He turned his, there was a real grip adjustment uh, to, to continue to squeeze on that side. Uh, choke awareness is a huge thing. And I'm not trying to knock anyone because people talk shit about Poirier's guillotine. I think Poirier has one of the best guillotines in MMA, but he hasn't got a guillotine yet. <laughs> so everyone yeah. is quick to talk shit about his guillotines. Um, but I think in a similar way, he, ad he adjusted that guillotine beautifully for the spot he was in. And obviously Cody Durden was in a bad way anyway. So um, it, it probably came a little bit easier, but I was just super impressed by that. Like you could tell his grip strength is very, very strong um, to be able to secure a choke against a wrestler uh, from a position like that. Yeah. And then just, you, you got to admire the story behind this kid. And no disrespect in me calling him kid. He's just younger than me by two years. So I feel like I, I have the authority. <laughs> but no, you, you couldn't feel any happier for him. He came through a very rough upbringing. Uh, before the fight even happened, I was watching this YouTube documentary about him. And then just f fleeing Dagestan with his dad after his mom passed away uh, with only 300 British pounds, made it all the way to uh, Liverpool. 
and then uh, he moved to Wigan, just trying to help his dad out, make money so that he doesn't have to work as hard. Gotta admire it. I love stories like that. Dude, thank you for that, because I had no idea. Um, the, the, the way I knew him was through his sort of amateur pedigree, as well as his run on Brave. Like, I, I love watching Brave. They, they're one of the best shows around, if you ask me. And the dominance, that was on point there. So I knew I knew to an extent that he, he was deserving of the hype. But I agree. I think Cody Durden is, even though I hate to admit it, a lot better than people give him credit for. Even mm-hmm. before this fight, like, I feel like a lot of people sleep on how good he is um, because he's very hittable on the feet. The cardio and the wrestling put together, like that, that's a hard guy to fight for anyone in that division. And dude made it look easy. So I honestly listen, man. I MMAF, IMF, that's how they, they pronounce it. Dude, like I don't watch IMF as like a fan. Um, but now I'm starting to think like maybe I should really start following this because down the line, the sign that I love more than anything is sort of being there through someone's run. Like being able mm-hmm. to identify them as someone that's on that level and then see it happen over time. Like I love those storylines in MMA and um, I, I've been there since brave. And I got to tell you, man, I think he has a real shot at trying to achieve um, that John Jones record, man. I think it's going to be hard, especially in this division. Um, but if he stays active and gets the right fights, uh, I, I think he could contend for a title in that time, uh, which would be crazy. I mean, kind of a slight disagreement there in that division, just because I feel like 125 is pretty wide open, just because there hasn't been uh, that many high level contenders coming out of 125. I mean, at a point, they're about to cut the division. And then out of nowhere, he comes in and just mops the floor with Durden. So you couldn't have asked for a better debut from him and yeah prop props to him he's probably like two or three fights away from a top five fight and then possibly a title shot there he has about 370 days to break the record so let's let's see uh his game plan there and let's see how quick he gets booked his second fight yes sure it's definitely possible they got to get him booked on something within the next month and i think if he's serious about getting that that they'll definitely make that happen uh, but moving on, uh, the fight that I was so eager to get to get discussion about uh, Corey McKenna versus Elise Reed. I didn't tell you this ever. I mean, it, why would I? Um, but my I, I'm a quarter British from my mother's side um, <laughs> and and my family from there is from Wales. Uh, so whenever I see a fighter from Wales, I'm immediately sort of hype about them. Um, in this matchup, obviously, she ended up coming short against Elise Reed. I thought it was an awesome fight, man. I thought both girls really showed a level to their game that we didn't really know was there. I think um, with McKenna, even though she did come short in a lot of those exchanges, um, I thought, man, like she looked marketably better than she has in previous fights in the stand-up department um obviously there's a little bit of a length disadvantage for her at any sort of division in the ufc i would argue um i think she has really short arms in general um but striking wise you see she's working on these things and um I personally thought she won the fight. That might be me letting my bias show through. I had her winning one uh, round one and round three. 
Um, but I, I, I could see the arguments for um, obviously at least read one. So I could see the arguments. Um, for me, I just was impressed by both ladies. I think no matter who won, it was one of those fights where you came away sort of high on both these ladies. I think they really showed the level of women's MMA and the growth that women's MMA has been sort of going through. The fact that now we're getting prelim fighters that we don't really know too well uh, that are delivering big men in a, in a, in fun fights and really showing their technical growth. I don't agree with you more on that last part. It's evolved and women's MMA has evolved to a level where it competes with the numbers of men's MMA, just quite frankly, uh, these fights and fighters themselves have evolved into what we see today, what we see with Amanda Nunes, with the likes of Juliana Pena, Valentina always been on the top. Uh, but just the amount of uh, skill these girls are developing over the short period of time uh, and adjusting their styles, being able to be versatile like that is going to go a long way. And I mean, in this fight, uh, a lot of people just thought McKenna had one thing to do and it's it would be really hard for her to mess up. And in MMA Twitter, there's this, <laughs> this line that everyone says, understood the assignment. And I don't think McKenna understood the assignment. For her, her easiest path to victory was her clear grappling advantage over Elise Reed. And just given how Reed lost her last fight to Sajara Eubanks, in that first round, she immediately just got clobbered down to the floor and vicious ground and pound, which we had Sajara Eubanks, by the way. Um, slight plug. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people just thought McKenna was going to go ahead and do the same thing, impose her grappling and uh, drag the fight to a decision. But in round one and round two, she just barely grappled. She didn't even try. I mean, in round one, she got her to the floor towards the end of the round but reed looked too good on the feet and in round two same thing she reed just looked a step ahead in the striking department uh round three is exactly how i thought the whole fight would go for mckenna where she took her down multiple times decent ground and pound just holding her there but she just fell short, and uh, I I scored it to read uh, 29-28. Great, great points, man. I, I agree 100%. I think something that a lot of people don't pay attention to is the corner work. I know a lot of people don't listen uh, with the audio when they're watching the fights live, which I understand. Uh, but shout out to Danny Castillo, man. Not a lot of people know who he is if you're new to MMA. This is an OG, man. This is someone that got a win over Tony Ferguson in the UFC and has really grown as a coach. Like initially, there would be some times where we'll see him in the corner of some fight fighters and there, there'll be some, let me, let me say it as, as plainly as I can, some awful sort of takes and, and the way he was saying the advice uh, doesn't really come across, at least in past fights. And in this fight, I think he really showed that he's growing and that he's committed to this role. I think he gave her great advice, urging her to sort of close that distance early. This was in between the first and the second. So before she even was able to implement it, really giving, him, giving her concise advice, pointing her in the right direction. I thought he really showed a lot of improvement on that. And so 
I think she's in good hands at Alpha Male. I think the growth is going to continue in a good way for her. Um, I think even though she lost, you come away feeling good, in my opinion. I don't know how, I can't speak for her, but you would you should come away feeling really good about your performance because you showed areas where you wanted to improve on. But let's talk about Elise Reed, man. I, dude, I just wanted to say the level of the striking, like the level of the striking was really awesome. Like, I think a lot of the straight, like straight punches, with all due respect, that's hard to find in women's MMA, even still today. Um, and and technique that holds up throughout the entire fight. I thought she looked great and really, really good at keeping the distance where she's super aggressive. So she wants to be in the face of her opponents, um, but getting right on that edge of her range. I think she's really good at finding that spot. Uh, so watch out for Elise Reed, man. I think if she's persistent about fixing up those holes in her ground game, I think she could be really good in this division. 100%. 100%. And on to Jack Shore and Timur Valiev. What a fight. Dude. What a fight. I just want to say real quick, I want to give you the floor for this one. I just want to say me and you were on this one. We knew I was, I was hitting you up before we were talking during the fight. I'm like, this is one of the best fights on the card and man, uh -huh. it delivered. hundred percent. Yeah. We were talking about it, going back and forth on Twitter, mentioning each other. We knew it. We understood the assignment. <laughs> so Jack Shore and Timur Valiev put on an absolute show of a fight very equal very back and forth until that third round obviously but round one jack shore comes out uh a little bit more cautious versus uh valiev came out just trying to pour on some volume uh in all aspects leg kicks body kicks um the punches straight punches almost he had a takedown as well um one thing that frustrated me with jack shore in that first round was he was throwing this straight kick to the body uh naked like he, he wasn't masking it with like a punch or a feint which valley of you you would see and later in round one he'd pick up on it and he would grab that leg of shore which ultimately led to that takedown in round one um so for round one i had the score uh, 10 9 to valley of going into round two you see shore uh, imposing a little bit more uh, on Valiev, throwing a lot more output than he did in round one. And uh, they both got a takedown of their own, but Valiev a little bit more impressive on the floor just because he reversed Shore's takedown and flipped it on himself, got his own takedown and gained some top control there. Um, at that point, I scored it 20 to 18 for Valiev after two. And I was sweating for a little bit because I had Jack Shore. Uh, but then he comes out in the, in the third round and knocks Valiev down twice. Uh, as you can see, Valiev noticeably uh, tired, uh, a little gassed maybe. And just on the feet, Jack Shore still looked like he was 100%. And imposed his will. Maybe some judges scored it as a 10-8 round. Who knows? And ultimately led to the uh, the decision for Jack Shore, and uh, yeah, couldn't be happier with the outcome of that fight uh, from a betting standpoint, from a viewing standpoint. Um, loved it, loved it. No more to say there. Was it a straight play for you, or was it a, just a parlay play? It was a straight play for me. Nice, awesome, awesome. So yeah, on yeah. your wins, dude. Please, please give us the numbers on that. I don't know if I missed it. So, or not, but... 
Jack Shore. It was a 2.2 unit bet, and I had him uh, to win two units. So you got him at minus 110. Dude, yeah. I know you were sweating, though, during that second round. I personally scored that round to Jack Shore. Um, but the the Welsh bias is in me. I will I will admit it. Um, I one thing I was blown away with. I don't care that I tweeted it. I'm gonna talk about it again here on the show. Uh, something that he did in that second round that was so crazy. Um, I immediately was like, "Give me the fuck!" Like I didn't even care that the fight was still on. I'm like, "This was fucking crazy." Um, Jack Shore grabbed into an upper body clinch from bottom full guard, uh, and literally, I I still. Like, I'm watching this shit, and when I go back to training, like, I want to, not that I want to try it, but I want to see if this is something that is, can be in my wheelhouse someday, just because it's going to reaffirm just how difficult it is to pull off a stand-up like that, uh, obviously against someone that has high-quality top game, um, it just takes such an immense amount of strength. And you see moves like that often in bigger weight classes, like heavyweight and things like that, where they're just like one last deadlift and it expends a lot of energy and really um, can take a toll on them for the rest of the fight. And that didn't happen at all for, for Jack Shore. I thought what we're really, I don't know where to put my hand on this because obviously uh, Timur has been, successful very often in his ufc fights in the first round but then ends up sort of having some issues on the feet as the fight progresses in in multiple fights now uh, we've seen him get dropped i think in every one of his ufc appearances um which i don't think it's a chin issue like that that dude could take some shots too um it's just a matter of i don't know i don't know i can't really put my finger on it it might be a cardio thing like a mental cardio thing i don't know what it is um i'm really interested to see how that plays out for the rest of his career but i was really impressed by jack shore's ability to have some trouble like you said in the first and and stay steady but even pick up his his level in that third round like he had another gear and and who knows man maybe his home crowd did affect him a little bit because you hear it all the time you know that that adrenaline dump is real uh, but man, it, it, if you ask me, that didn't come across in the fight. Like even in that first round, it was close as fuck. And it, it only came down to those sort of minute aspects that really made the difference until that third round. Uh, I think someone did actually score it 10-8 um, uh, then third round for Jack Shore because one of the final scorecards was 29-27. Uh, so that's uh -huh. the only one that makes sense. I personally had it 2-1 two, um, two for Jack Shore watching it. Um, but when, like you said, when you're betting on somebody and you, you, you want them, obviously you're fiending for them to win. Um, but you see them have their biggest round in the third round. Like that's one of the best feelings that you could have. So, oh yeah, uh, it's, it's so relieving in a sense, because all, all the worries of gas tank or will to win are completely out of, out of the door. Yeah, man. So awesome, awesome fight. Uh, but we can move on from that one uh, just so that we, we keep the pace up here. But even after this fight, like, I thought that momentum was tangible. Like, I'm like, all these fights so far have really delivered in a fun way. And now we get even Here's more. Here's where we start seeing them all. All the yep. finishes. <laughs> yes, sir. So why don't, why don't you tee us up? What, what was next up? All right. So next up, we have Nikita Krylov against Paul Craig. Now, this fight, 
what do you even say about this? Craig was this, this close to getting finished on the floor and him just being willing to put himself in that kind of danger, trusting himself and trusting his Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, his high-level Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I want to say, uh, is just crazy. It's crazy. And to me, at this point, it's Paul Craig's submission should be an auto bet at this point. And we, we saw it. He was so close to getting put out. And <laughs> somehow he just pulls off that quick triangle and gets Kraylov to instantly tap. And it wasn't one of those taps where it took a while. He got it locked in this quick to where it was so deep that Kraylov had to tap immediately. And we saw the same thing in the Ankalaya fight. We saw the same thing um, against Jamal Hill with the with the armbar. It's just like, really? This guy is that good. And I, I did not have anything on this fight just because I like both sides. I really was, I wanted to put Paul Craig's submission somewhere on my card, but I just didn't have the, the will to. And sometimes as uh, MMA handicappers, you have to know where your spots are. And this was definitely my spot, but I just did not take advantage of it. Dude, I was going to say that shout out to you on on making that read, because I honestly I think it's very rare that an underdog caches that you're like, eh, I see what I see why they're an underdog, because, dude, like I thought multiple times he got hit where it looked like he was out. Like, it looked like he was in a real bad way. Um, and I think a lot of that was instincts. Like, I think there was actually a punch that woke him up um, that yeah. allowed him to sort of come back into the fray. Crazy. I just want to say for the long term of his career, this is something that happens often. And I think mm -hmm. it's such a dangerous spot to be in because you can't tell a guy that has a submission game like this, get up, like stop playing on off of your back. But man, it's like multiple fights now, even in the fights that he's lost, he's had trouble in that same position. So it's kind of like a craft shoot. Like, is he going to be able to pull out something out of his hat or are you going to take a brutal beating? And I'm going to be real at 205. <laughs> that's a tough style to have, um, especially for career longevity, longevity. Very tough. And I will, here's one thing I will never bet on Paul Craig as a favorite, just for that simple factor. Kralov came up and came out and just dominated and took him to the floor and to me, what I didn't understand was, did he not expect this? Because if if I was Krylov in a fight against someone with such high caliber jujitsu like Paul Craig has, I would just step aside, tell him to stand up. Because you know he can't match you on the feet. He wants that. He wants to put himself in that kind of danger just so he can sub you. And he can't sub you uh, on the feet unless he's just like a, on your back with a freaking rear naked choke. But other than that, it's just going to be all striking. H how do you even come up with the idea of going to the floor with Paul Craig? That's just what. That is such a good point, bro. And I just wanted to say, I'm sorry to cut you off. I can't, in a way, I kind of can't, I can't be mad at him though, because right before that happened, Paul Craig actually landed a, a up kick. 
And and the punch that got him in trouble was he dove in on a right hand because he was pissed that he landed the front kick, the, the up kick, and then immediately got wrapped up from it. So it was kind of like a, a fuck you moment. <laughs> and he was responding to, to a strike. Yeah. And that's why he dove in. Um, but man, I agree with you. Like you got it. You got to have the spatial awareness when you're in those spots to say, fuck it, I'll recover. Because even, even though I feel like it's a little underrated uh, Paul, Paul Craig striking game. That is, I think it's a little closer on the feet than most people would think in that matchup. But after you already beat the shit out of him for over two minutes, I think that's a good call. Like you already put in enough work where even that deficit is now closed. Like regardless of whether or not there is a sort of some skills he has on the feet that could present a problem for Krilov, you would think once, once dealing with punches like that, that diminishes a little bit. So I agree, man, but such a hard thing to do in the, in the moment I would imagine. And man, um, the way, like you said, the, the, the quickness at which he tapped, this is twice now where we're in scenarios. We're like, man, if you could have waited a little bit longer, I mean, it wasn't close to the end of the round, but dude, I think it's just credit to, to his ability to lock that up. And, and real quick for people who are interested in working on your submission game, pay attention to that angle that he cuts. Cause he, he uh-huh. does it all the time, man. And it's beautiful. And you know, it's in right when you see that, because the first step is getting the leg up. But when you cut the angle and follow the leg, that's when you know you got it. So good, good stuff there. Pay close attention to, I mean, to those who want to improve their submission game and their uh, triangle game. Pay close attention to Paul's right leg and how quick he wraps it over uh, behind his neck. Because I've, I've very rarely seen speed like that when trying to wrap a leg over the guy's body, especially at 205. Like, really? Oh, it's... It, it's so good like the outcome of the fight was just so nice but also it's just like this i don't want to disrespect the guy by saying stupidity but stupidity for lack of better words of krilov to keep going at that point ah it it annoys me i could understand how krilov betters are just punching themselves in the mouth for that because no one would have, I mean, people expected it, but no one really thought Krilov would continue to engage in clinch, not clinch, sorry, in a ground game with Paul Craig. Sorry about that. You're good, man. That's such a great shout, man. I agree. I think what what bugs me out real quick, I just want to give a shout out, Bernard, shout out Bernardo Faria. Angles make strangles. And and that's where I, I got that from. That was something I, I love um, sort of thinking about the deeper parts of jujitsu in that way. And, and man, Paul Craig is someone that gets me excited. I think moving forward, someone to watch out for in this division, because even if he's outmatched, there's always something apparently. And he's shown us that. So, uh-huh. uh, so what was next up? I'm sorry. I, I want to make sure I got the order right for these. Fights. I got you. I have the order right up in front of me. So next fight on the card was uh, Pavlovich against Abdurakimov. And yes. this one, I think it just went accordingly to how everyone uh, thought it was going to go. And uh, Pavlovich with <laughs> via round one KO. Uh, I've had Pavlovich in one of my parlays. Now, initially, when I first looked at the fight, I was like, uh, maybe Abdurakimov shouldn't be that big of an underdog. Um, but I see why. After watching the tape, Pavlovich has finished almost all of his fights in the first round via KO in a similar manner. And I tweeted this out. That straight 
uppercut. I don't know whatever that was is beautiful. That when once that landed, uh, that was the beginning of the end for Abdurakimov, and Pavlovich just pounced. Yeah, man. I thought that was a good stoppage. I heard a lot of people complaining about it. Um, I, I thought he dropped, he got dropped bad. And I agree. I think the extension on that punch is what makes it so special. Like it's crazy because he doesn't throw it all the time. He throws uppercuts and then he throws that punch and they're different punches. Let me be clear about that. Um, man, I agree that step throw step through uppercut is beautiful. Um, I actually, when I was breaking down this fight last week, my main takeaway was this is a two true outcome fight. Like Either we're getting a knockout in the first or Abdurahimov is going to grapple the shit out of him in the second and third. And um, we saw one of those options play out. Um, I think if they fought 100 times, I'm still confident in saying about 45 of those times Shamil is able to survive. So that's what that's what makes me think I agree. It, sh- it should have been closer a little bit on the line. Um, but Sergey Pavlovich is interesting, man. I think he's someone that could really grow in this division. He's young for heavyweight um, at 33 years old, right? I think so. Um, he, he's got a lot of room to grow. I think there's not many wrestling um, tests in this division. So let, let me get that clear. But as far as um, prospects go, keep this guy as far away from Sergey Spivak as you can. Like, let him have the striker's route through the division like Ty had. And uh, we'll see some good success for Sergey Pavlovich. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. A great way to, <laughs> to highlight that. Because we've often seen these heavyweights when they come up against the grappler kind of like the Curtis Blades, which we have next week, they fail miserably. Uh, just kind of hinting at what I think is going to happen next week, too. Yeah, man. You love a little tease. You love a little tease. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from this one. What was the next one up? Next fight is Grundy versus Amir Khani, which I feel like was the biggest uh, betting disappointment for MMA Twitter. <laughs> for sure. Did you have any money on that one? Unfortunately, I did on Gundy. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you were hurting after this one. Yeah. Man, I'm not going to lie. Oh, sorry about that. Go ahead. You're good. Um, this was the only loss that I had on the bet slip over um, UFC London. And you know what? Maybe uh, the emotional side of things kind of misled me a little bit. And also, I mean, you can't look at Amir Khani's past couple fights and not agree to fade him the no gas tank after round one the questionable fight iq and uh, that combined with grundy's uh dad watching him in the crowd who who is terminally ill um prayers up to him Uh, i kind of thought that grundy would have a little more motivation but he kind of let that emotional side get the most of him because he just immediately blitzed amir khani at his own game and he paid for it. So, yeah, Dude. tough one to take there. I was going to say, I don't feel too down about yourself on this one. Because if there was a route for victory for Americani, this was it. Like, they, once again, if we did this fight 100 times, I think that only happens in the 10 um, the 10, 10 times he'll be able to get a, a submission like that early. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I really feel like this matchup was tough. And both of these guys were in a bad spot. But what I what I find so interesting about their dynamic, like the fact that they were matched up, obviously off of multiple losses, is like 
I think Mike Grundy has shown more in those losses than Amir Khani has. Um, so that, that I agree. I feel like you shouldn't feel bad about making that read. I think it was a good read, um, but sometimes good reads end up getting sent to hell by, by good performances. And, and I thought Amir Khani, man, he's dangerous to do that against anyone. He's, we've seen it in his career. He, he does similar, similar things in the grappling department in the first round. So stay away from that guy in the first round, keep it on the feet. Cause I thought that was Grundy's path to success anyway. So super surprising yeah. outcome. Yeah. I'm still in the business of fading Amir Khani always. So yeah, <laughs> yeah man. <laughs> hey, ne- next time you, he might be a favorite because of this. So, Hey, he, he adds to the, I bank hope role. so. <laughs> yes sir so we can move on yeah once again prayers up to his father but uh, mm-hmm, what was the next enough. what was the next fight up so we have the probably one of my favorite fights that i was looking forward to in the well not even in the morning my time it's Ilya Tapuria against jai herbert Ilya Tapuria moving up a weight class on short notice to take on this fight um never fought a fight at 155 in his life he's always been um fighting at 145 pounds at featherweight and the reach advantage for jai herbert was huge so i was very excited to see how that was going to play out i didn't see anyone fading to Puria, but i saw a lot of people that talked about wanting to and you know what this could have been the spot hindsight is 2020 obviously now that the fight has already happened but what we saw out of jai herbert and man all credit to jai herbert he has faced no one but killers ever since he stepped foot into the ufc and this one i can it's heartbreaking for him and i feel for him on this one because round one uh with a striking performance against taporia like that i mean yeah like i mentioned the the reach advantage was crazy so maybe a little bit expected but someone touted as a future champ like Tapuria, who holds himself confident holds himself as if he's already a champion uh getting pieced up like that in the first couple minutes and then that kick that knocked Tapuria down i thought the fight was over Tapuria looked dazed uh but fight iq fight iq i cannot stress that enough immediately grabbed his leg took him down survived and to tell you the least about how I was feeling in this moment, because I had Tapuria in two of my biggest parlays, I was, <laughs> you, could, you could see the, the breath <laughs> taken out of my body. And my brothers were looking at me, they're like, what is going on? Because I, obviously, they, they look towards me for their betting. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, just hold on, the fight's not over. And he came out in that second round and gave him that three piece to the head, to the body, back to the head. And we've seen that with uh, uh, not Malcolm Gordon's last fight, but the, uh, sorry, not Malcolm Gordon, I'm getting him uh, mixed up with uh, Miles John's last fight. Yeah, Miles John's last fight, similar manner. To the head, to the body, back to the head. And it worked out, clean KO, uh, folded him. Dude. I think this is already on the short list of comeback of the uh, of the year. Like this, this was an insane oh, yeah. fight. 
and I just wanted to say something that I find interesting is I've haven't heard anyone asking Toporia if he's moving to lightweight for good. I tend to think he is with the way he sort of um, called out uh, Patty Pimblett after this, obviously with the whole beef that they have. But real quick, do, do you know anything about that? Um, I didn't see anyone saying that or him saying that. I don't think it would be in his best interest to do that either. To go He's back to 145? Yeah. I, I, oh, going back to 145. Exactly. I yeah, going back to 145 is what he will ultimately do. I think maybe he fights Pimblet if that actually um, formulates at 155, just as a grudge match for what happened and for all of them like talking shit. But mm -hmm. in his best interest, he wants to move back down because sure. clearly we saw against Jai Herbert, who no disrespect, good fighter, but he's he's not in uh, in that elite caliber, when, elite class when we talk about the 155 division. Mm -hmm. And he almost got sent away immediately in a big way. And I agree with you hundred percent. I think as, as someone who has a journalism degree, I just can't help but wonder why the fuck nobody asked him about that. Like, why are you fighting 155? What's your plan moving forward? I didn't hear anything about that. Uh, really interested to find out what happens with that because I agree, but I don't even think um, his issues were necessarily a length problem. I think, I think, Listen, I'm very high on Ilya Taporia. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right off right, but we got to talk about what happened in that first exchange. Mm -hmm. And if you if you look it back, it was it was a hook that he was throwing that left him fully exposed for that high kick. I mean, like, let me let me get this clear as well for someone who's trained. I know you you will agree with this. To, to counter a hook with a high kick is, is a very difficult thing to do. Like, it's crazy. Um, so I think if Toporia really takes a step back and looks at this performance, what he would, I would try to say is really implement a jab. Because if he adds a jab to the hooks that he has already, they're devastating. And staying patient behind it, like, I feel like, of course, any sort of uh, size deficit like that makes things like that more likely to happen. Um, but I think if he really hones down on that jab and entering in on it, he's never, he's, he's usually shorter than the guys he's facing anyway. And he hasn't really shown issues with that yet. Um, but man, awesome, awesome performance real quick. I got to give a shout out to his grappling as well. The way that he slides into side control, like people always say this high hips win you need to have high hips and if you're in a position like that the, the way that he's able to drive his weight and just slither through positions um that's not common folks that that's high level stuff 100 mm percent. -hmm. and go me <laughs> when i was in training last week i was going against someone much smaller than me and yeah similar ability just high hips that smaller frame aids them in doing that as well. Just given that he's five seven, going against someone who is six foot one, I believe, Jai Herbert. Yeah, it, it gives him that advantage. And then also, we've we've known Tapuria to, to have that kind of grappling uh, expertise. So I'm I'm glad he was able to clinch the win, uh, not for my just for my sake, but for his own sake. And I feel like he needed a fight like this just to kind of wake him up maybe he was in a little bit of a euphoric state uh he kind of does show off a little bit so 
gotta get humbled at some point but you know this kind of woke me up a little bit um might be in the business of fading Taporia against lengthier fighters like this in the future so we'll see that's a good shout 100 percent. and i just want to say uh second time in the ufc now that we've seen jai Hobert, herbert go out in a bad way um i i, I want to say Hopefully he gets some good time off before his next fight to really recover from from that. Mm-hmm. Because when you see people fall like that and and stiffen up like that, like that, that's someone that's more susceptible to getting knocked out in that way again. Just because uh, I'm not gonna get into the whole physiology, but when you've been shut down, it's your body's quicker to shut down. So I hope that he's able to take some more time in between fights to sort of regroup. Um, but awesome, awesome performance for both guys. Like even in a fight where you end up losing, um, you can't hate on that performance from Jai Herbert, uh, really almost came away from with the win big in that one. So let's yeah. move on. What do we got? What do we have up next? Oh, possibly a contender for knockout of the year. Molly McCann versus Luana Carolina. Oh my God. <laughs> Just cutting corners here how about that knockout because i did not see that coming i did not at all dude the momentum was in luana's favor if you're asking me i i and i i picked her so i was i was feeling myself i was like let's go obviously i didn't bet but i i'm like i knew to a certain extent that her length and her activity on the feet would give molly some problems um, but man, uh, you could tell that was, uh, something that she trained. You could tell that was something that she was looking to land as well. And man, like the way that she fell, um, she was looking, yeah, I was about to say, she was looking like the, the Jesus statue out in Brazil, man. She crazy the way that she got and her eyes were wide open undertaker style. That was a scary knockout as well. Uh, please give her a time off so she could come back, mm-hmm. but another performance where you can't hang your head man she she put in work coming back from a very tough first round and honestly i thought came away handily with the second round and was looking good up until that moment so tough result but i love meatball molly dude um that accent her screaming come on when she's walking out like i love her and it uh, feels good to see her finally get the win in the UK because obviously she lost previously to Jillian Robertson at home. Yeah, see, here, here's the thing with how I broke this fight down. Um, very similar fight to the fight Molly McCann had against Gion Kim. Gion Kim has longer reach than Luana Carolina, and Molly dealt with it just fine. Um, so going into this fight, I initially picked molly i did not have a bet on her i wanted to but too many question marks uh she clearly clearly won round one i believe she won round two as well just with the grappling um so in my head carolina needed a finish in round three to win or else she was on her way to a decision loss uh unanimously and as we've seen similar to that Gion kim fight she dealt with that length very well Uh, Luana not known to throw that much volume, but that third round was very impressive to start. She was feeling herself. She was in her motion, in her groove, and she was throwing. She was winning the round until that miraculous spinning elbow. I'm still just speechless out of that because I 
I'm pretty sure I held my head for five minutes straight, just looking at that knockout over and over and over again. You don't you don't see the the white eyes like the Undertaker eyes in the UFC after a knockout like that. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. And just for it to happen, not just in the UFC, but in a women's fight, which we don't see as many knockouts either. Astonishing, astonishing way to finish it. Dude, and just to give the, the people a sense of the momentum of this card, we got two of those back to back. Jai Herbert had the same exact thing. Um, so insane, like moment in the car. Like I looked at the rest of the card. I'm like, holy shit, we still got like four fights. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. Like that the momentum was insane at this point of the event. Um, so it only made the next fights even better. So what do we have up next? So up next, we have Gunnar Nelson and Takashi Sato. Yeah, man. So oh, wow. coming off of um, two huge knockouts like this, I think it was appropriate that we got a, we got a moment to breathe. We got a moment uh-huh. to, to collect ourselves uh-huh. here. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was this close, um, this close to putting a bet on Takashi Sato because I thought that the line was a little larger than it deserved to be. Now, let me make this clear. I forgot to mention this earlier, but my strategy for betting this week was I did big straight plays um, on two favorites, Tom Aspinall and on um, who was the second one? It was it was towards the end of the event as well. Um, and Arnold Allen. Yes. Uh, so those were my big plays. And then I did a huge parlay that I put more money into than I ever do. And it was dumb and I won't do it again. <laughs> but um, the reason why it fell short was, and obviously I put Gunnar Nelson in this parlay and I put um, Ilya Sapori in this parlay, but I decided let me hedge on the, on these guys just so that I can make some money back if there's a random thing and it breaks my parlay. And in this fight, I thought, I'm so glad I didn't do nothing crazy as far as putting money on Takashi Sato because it kind of played out the way uh, the line thought it would. Um, super, super impressed by Gunnar Nelson. I think he takes damage in a way that um, the dominant nature of his his victories kind of we tend to forget. Um, I think at this stage of the career of his career. Uh, they need to keep giving him matchups like this because I think the closer the deficit is on the feet and in the grappling, I think that's when he has issues, especially later on in fights. We saw that in the Leon Edwards fight. Everything was super close until things started getting dirty, got into the later rounds, and now he gets dropped. Um, I think that trend is going to continue in his career. Uh, but I really like the things he does. Like, he's a weird guy. He's not. He's not a traditional MMA fighter. And his back control was something to watch in this fight. Now, here's one thing that I can say with full confidence. Round one through round three looked exactly identical. Mm -hmm. The same exact fight, uh, same exact round. Takashi Sato pressuring Nelson. Nelson with his wide stance, very similar to Conor McGregor's stance. Coming out of SBG Ireland, I'm not surprised. Uh, wide karate stance, which also aids in the those quick little like straight punches that he de- that he does from the back foot. Um, yeah, Gunnar Nelson looked like he was a minus eight hundred to me uh, after watching the fight. It was just <laughs> stylistic mismatch at its finest. And you know, a lot of MMA Twitter betters and handicappers 
were very upset because almost it seemed like almost everyone had Nelson by sub. And to be honest, I was about to do it too. Uh, I'm not sure why I didn't. I think I just forgot before the fight started. I'm glad I forgot, <laughs> to say the least. But Gunnar Nelson just, I mean, what, what can you say? He got him on his back all three rounds. And the only reason he didn't sub him is because Takashi Sato was just so focused on holding one of his arms. So Gunnar's just like slapping him left and right with the other until the round's over and repeat and repeat and repeat. So very, very clear uh, path to victory that I saw uh, from the tape is just the grappling side. Once he got that grapple and he's done mm -hmm. and it, it showed, it showed big time. Like grappling made him that minus 800, minus 900 in my eyes. So props to Nelson. Takashi Sato, I don't think he belongs in the UFC just yet. He needs some more fights at the the regional scene to, to gain that experience. Uh, he probably threw like 10 or 15 punches throughout the whole fight. Um, so just clear, clear winner there. Yeah, man, 100%. And uh, real quick, just want to give a, sh a shout out to John Gooden because I just love hearing him talk. And during this fight, he was like, Gunnar Nelson has been practicing against volcanic rock. <laughs> like, <laughs> technically, all rocks are volcanic rocks. If we're being real here, but that that was hilarious to me. Yeah, like, that that, I don't know why that stood out. That stood out to me. And uh, real quick, I just got to say this while we're on it. Um, I love Bisping as a fighter. I love him as a person. I think I like his podcast. I'm I'm still not too high on him as a commentator he gets me annoyed more often than than um i like what he has to say um but i thought this one was funny where he was sort of going back with john Gooden and making fun of fun of him for saying that so that that was fun banter there yeah um, there wasn't much to commentate on the fight so he's just looking for something else to talk about the the feelings you feel towards bisping is what i feel towards dc as a commentator yep <laughs> Yep. Both of them have it, though. Both of them have it. And I think the, the commentary team that they picked in this one, we didn't hear Wizard not once throughout the whole night. There was multiple mm -hmm. times where Wizards were key in, in what was able to uh, sort of prevent the <laughs> takedown. So I thought I, I thought that was hilarious. This was a striking, friendly commentary crew. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, what, what do we have next up after that? We have Patty Pimblett going against... <laughs> Kazula Vargas. It's main event and... time, baby. I just oh, want to yeah. ask you, dude, did you hear after the fight during the Arnold Allen hooker fight that they were still chanting for Patty? Oh, Patty the Patty. <laughs> yeah, even after that so fight. <laughs> they went nuts. And the energy this guy brings, you can't help but say that it reminds you of Conor McGregor. And if he does get big in the sport, if, I mean, not saying that he's not already big, but if he actually climbs the rankings, which I might have a slightly different opinion than everyone else, uh, he will make a big impact, similar to how Connor did. And he, he showed out, which, in my opinion, he had to. It's Kazula Vargas. The guy just doesn't hold his hands up when he fights. That's clearly what I saw on the tape. I'm like, this guy can get clipped instantly and just dropped to the floor but hey props to Vargas he he held him down he got that takedown in that well the first and only round 
and uh, a lot of people thought he rocked Patty and dropped him, but no, it was a slip. Uh, Patty was trying to go for the single leg and failed, which ultimately led him to go onto his back. But good work on uh, Pimblet's side to go ahead and get the, the butterfly hooks, uh, switch that position on him, get his own takedown, and eventually submit Vargas in that first round, which erupted the O2 everyone was going crazy and he was i mean you you saw what molly did she just ran into the cage like it was her own her own fight but yeah props to pimblet i'm also in the business of fading patty pimblet at some point in the future uh it's just patty also doesn't hold his hands up at all like if you see in the in the first exchange or second exchange there was a clear screenshot of kazula vargas just missing an open opportunity <laughs> with Patty's chin is just like right here. Yeah. I'm like, that's an easy, easy clip. And from his first fight, he got rocked. He got rocked in his first fight. So I'm interested to see how his future plays out. I find it so funny that he immediately gets um, compared to Conor McGregor. I agree with that entirely. Stylistically, they couldn't be different as far as the way that they fight. I think um, I was really surprised, actually, that Kazula Vargas, obviously, he's a strong guy. And you could tell by his frame that he's a strong guy. Uh, But the head control and keeping him up against the fence, I thought... He didn't even have to go and change up the position, really. He could have he could have kept them there, sapped the energy, and it would have been a completely different fight. Like I feel like, um, and, and I gave Bisping shit for this because as Kazula Vargas is on top, um, Bisping is like, well, the the longer he stays here, the better it is for Patty Pimblet. And as soon as he said that. Pimblet gets elbowed in the face, like it really hard. And I'm like, yeah, th- this is good for him, isn't it? Um, and then it turns out to be so I can't talk too much shit because ultimately what he said ended up turning out to be true. Um, but I agree with you, man. I think given the right matchup, this dude is an instant fade. Um, I think his on what he has his package. Don't get me wrong. He's a good fighter. He has really good skills on the ground. Um, he even has strong punching like it's not technical striking, but he has strong strikes. Let me make that very clear. And I think if that uh, Luigi Vendramini fight showed us anything, it was the fact that um, he's he's a fighter. Like, it doesn't matter if he's um, a grappler first. Uh, that's the sort of uh, rep that he gets because that's where his skills lie. But uh-huh. he's a fighter, and, and he'll stick in there through thick and thin. Um, so... I, I would say in, in some matchups, I get why people want to put some money on him because he's going to fight for your money regardless of how it plays out. Uh, but man, I, I agree with you. He's going to get, he's going to get knocked out bad in the UFC and it's only a matter of time. If you ask me, and I feel like it's going to be a vicious, vicious knockout, kind of like the, the Taporia knockout. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something similar because his chin is just so wide open at times. He can't afford to have that, especially at his smaller, lankier frame. That's gonna be scary. Um, hey, I just gotta call, say he was called on the internet. There's a reason why Toporia called out Patty, and Patty was like, "Lion, li- what did he say again? The cliche line: li- lions don't uh, care about the opinion of sheep." Be, yeah, like exactly. bro, you know damn well why oh, you're saying that, and it has nothing to do with that. It has everything I to do with it. that matchup because if you're if you're in Patty's camp, you're like, 
don't don't take that fight, dude. Do not take that fight anytime oh. soon. Uh, crazy, crazy. And he's just happy he land. He landed a freaking sanitizer bottle on his head. Like really, he will. Purpuria will erase him. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> if that matchup, he, he I would imagine he would be a plus two hundred favorite. But come fight time. The, the fans of Patty will bump that up. So if that fight does come to play, I think that's more of a, a later bet than an early bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of similar to the uh, the Drew Dober-McKinney fight. In mm-hmm. midweek, I'm like, yes, please keep betting uh, Dober down. I need this minus 150 right there. And I got it. That's Even a good shout. Got knocked. I was about to say that's a good shout because I was I was the other way. I honestly thought Terrence McKinney was gonna win, and I don't feel bad about feeling that way with the way the fight played out. I don't no, feel bad about it. Uh, but yeah, good, really good shout on that. Uh, next up, dude. This was, in my opinion, we've had some crazy moments on this card. Um, this was the saddest moment of yeah. the entire night for me. Arnold Allen versus Dan Hooker. Shout out to Arnold Allen. I don't want to disrespect or, or take away from his performance at all because I'm going to be talking mostly about Dan Hooker. But I just have to say this, dude. It's clear that this is not the weight class for him. And he knew that in his when he moved up in the first place. I, the reason why I say that is because the, it didn't even look like the same guy out there from the last fight. Because people, don't get me wrong, he's someone who gets hit. So that part wasn't surprising. What was surprising was the way he reacted. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like more so, um, more so than a lot of fights I can remember lately. Like you could see he wanted to do something and he knew what he had to do and his body was not responding. Like, I, I feel like that I saw that very clearly in this matchup. It was sad to see, man. And I'm a big Dan Hooker fan. I, I went against him, but mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. He was 3-3 three and three before he moved up to lightweight in the featherweight division. So that's one thing. First fight in featherweight uh, at the featherweight division since five years. And then... He got big at lightweight. Like, he's a big lightweight. So He's a big lightweight. He's very lengthy. Um, which... To me, I know I know this might sound very stupid, but during those weigh-ins, he looked phenomenal. But there's a reason he wore those glasses. There's a reason. Like he he probably looked so bloodshot red in his eyes and so tired. He had to hide it. Just so I mean the media doesn't give him shit or I don't know, UFC officials don't try to say something. But I think that was the reason why he wore those glasses. He looked like Terminator, yeah. Sure, but didn't really put on a Terminator performance at all. Terminator down here, he probably looked like a freaking skeleton up here. That's why. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So going into this fight against someone who's 9-0 and at the featherweight division, up and coming, huge prospect. And this is not just because he's English that it's a big fight. Arnold Allen is legit, and he showed it. He really showed it. Now, a lot of people had this argument for Hooker that he had the better strength of schedule, um, better wins. Uh, he's a better striker. He has the length, trains at City Kickboxing with Israel Adesanya. All valid points. Not taking that away from anyone. If that was your side, and I definitely saw it too, because I was doubting myself for a little bit when I chose Allen, but 
after watching the tape, I was just more confident in Allen. Mm-hmm. And then you you see what happens in the fight. Allen just outclassed him on the feet. Allen looked like he was the fresher fighter since the the bell rang, since the doors closed. And just to see, like you were describing, Dan Hooker's lack of defense or lack of ability to defend. In my head, when I saw Allen, like pretty much, what's just charging forward uh, against Hooker with those hooks left and right. Hooker's defense was down the middle right here. Why? Why isn't he blocking the side of his face? That's that was one thing that was going through my head. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, why isn't he covering the side when all he's doing is kind of like the the Valentina Shevchenko hook 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 just spam the hook button mm-hmm. but no i just want to cover the front of my face <laughs> and yeah man arnold allen was just dominant all over him all, all, over, him. Him. all over him and um yeah i look i got a better number than anyone got probably in the world on arnold allen because my bookie made a mistake i got arnold allen at plus 115 which was never a line Dude, my bookie made crazy. a mistake so i i got two units on uh, arnold allen at plus 115 which cashed and um uh, yeah i'm very happy with the outcome just very sad with uh how dan hooker looked he should never be at 145 never fight there again for sure and i i, I went bigger i was three units on allen and it felt good to get mm-hmm. that back oh, yeah uh, because I, the way i lost on that parlay i was kicking myself i actually lost the parlay because of paul craig by the way it was a it was an eight legger and i would have hit on over four hundred dollars um but sadly uh, I learned my lesson. I'm no longer going above three legs. And I talked to you about this as well. And I still did it. Uh, I don't know. The, you know, you know why the parlays feel good. You know, yeah. they help build the account in a big way. But um, I, I think sign that's surprising about this for me is I think if I think this is a frame issue more than a weight issue, because I would argue him and Alan probably walk around the same weight. Um Allen is huge. Like Allen is huge for 145. I'm sure he has a hard time making that cut as well. Um, and you saw it on fight night. Like that dude is bricked up and he's he's big for 145. Um, the the drawing him into straight counters was beautiful. Like against someone that's bigger than you, that's tough to do against someone that's shorter than you. Um, and he did it multiple times that ended up hurting Hooker in separate exchanges because Hooker held on for longer than I think um, he should have. Like, honestly, I felt like in boxing, that fight would have, the, the the towel would have came in, right? Like, I'm not I'm not bugging, right? The yeah. towel would have came in for sure in boxing. Um, but he's a tough dude, all credit to Hooker. That's why this was so hard for me because I feel like this, the fight we got and the fight that sort of we deserved based on the matchup was nowhere near each other. And, and that's why the lines were where they were. Um, I just really think if Dan Hooker goes back to 145, I'm honestly not interested at all. And I probably will automatically fade him no matter the matchup, because I, I thought um, it's not the answer. Like the people you're fight you were losing to at 155 are the upper echelon of the division. You're not going to get cut. Like he's not going to get cut after this either. I saw people saying, oh, oh that's probably it. Um, hell no, because they know the murderer's row they're putting him through. 
Um, but at the same time, man, health-wise, that just did not look good at all. The, the characteristics of what make him exciting as a fighter, um, he didn't get to show those at all because he was just so rocked constantly. I mean, this is the same guy that went five rounds with Dustin Poirier, five rounds with Paul Felder. Uh, go back to 155, man. I think yeah. your frame at 145, it's not about the full body weight because everyone at the Performance Institute, they look at the body weight and they're like, yeah, there's some guys that are around the same size as you. No, it's not just about the weight. When you're that big, um, I just think it does way more of a toll on you than if you're smaller for the weight class. Mm -hmm. it, it took away the chin, just to say the, the least about it. It took away the chin um did it though because he was on his feet the whole time like he didn't he never yeah, fell but, but the he froze he that's he a just, beautiful way to put it he he froze he didn't have a response to those those punches now like you said very clearly he will not get cut from the ufc and dana white said it himself he can do whatever he wants he will not get cut and same thing with Jai Herbert, just not to backtrack or anything, but Jai Herbert should not get cut from the UFC because of the, the vicious competition they put in front of him. I am in the business of going with Jai Herbert against decent competition, um, just not when they put him through murder, like through hell against some of these top-level elite fighters. But going back to Alan Hooker here, uh, let's not forget, Hooker had Alan rocked. He almost flash knocked him out and that would have just changed the whole narrative of things he could have just stayed at 145 if he won there if he actually like knocked him out um but yeah i i'm i'm glad this was the outcome for the betting side of things and for actual just real life scenarios because i don't think hooker should be in that division they already have way too many killers and if he's struggling like that against allen what makes you think he can even survive 10 seconds against max holloway Beautiful, beautiful. Um, I couldn't have said it better myself. So we'll move on right from that to the main event. Now, I just want to say this before we get into it. I think this was the most impressive performance on the card. And that's hard to say with how oh, the, the madness, let's just be frank, the madness that was this event. Dude, I was blown away by Tom Aspinall's performance. I think I think there was there was a little bit of the the UFC jitters when he was fighting Arlovsky. I think he really looked across the cage and was like, I'm really fucking fighting Arlovsky right now. And that makes sense when you're someone that age growing up in the division. When you're fighting a guy like that, um, I was talking to, to Eric Betts fights about uh, the Barboza. Um, the man. Yeah, that's my dude, man. He, he's, he's, the, he's the goat, man. I just want to say, too, the most eloquent man on the mic. Like, this dude, he got it together. But I was talking to him about that matchup with uh, Barboza and um, Bryce Mitchell. And he was saying, like, for, for him to be able to deal with looking across the cage and seeing Barboza and not having that fear, like, that's a fucking skill. Like, that, that isn't a, a something you just figure out. You need to be able huh? to do that. And, and I thought Tom Aspinall's leap in performance in this fight compared to that fight had a lot to do with that. I think on the feet, he outclassed him. Like, I, I did not expect that at all. I thought, I thought he would land strikes, of course, but to be out in front of him and everything he did, to be fast and, and twitchy, I like to call it, um, and, and sort of 
bringing him in and then countering and the way he landed those takedowns like I think he's a three-tool fighter, and I didn't think that about him before. I thought he, he was forced into that position and then was able to get the choke. No, I think his grappling is freaking legit, and it needs to be watched out for after this performance because even though Volkov is known for being taken down a lot, mm-hmm. um, I think he's shown a good ability to get up, and that, while he was able to do it once, that really wasn't an option towards the end of this one. and. Dude, like, I I can't get out of my head just how much Tom Aspinall looks like Frank Mir. So so I always sort of bring them up together yes. because they look he looks like his son, like he could be his son. But what what I love about his game is he's just a modern MMA fighter. Like he has all the tools. I think someone that can take him into later rounds and really draw out. I think that's where the questions lie in his cardio and being able to do that for multiple rounds. Cause that's a very um, energy taxing style with the way mm-hmm. he moves, with the way he got those takedowns, et cetera, but just blown away by his performance, man, super dominant and cashed as if he was a plus 600 uh, favorite yeah. or oh, minus 600. Yep, exactly. Looked like a minus thousand. Um, this is what we expected from Tom Aspinall in the earlier rounds. He was always known to be uh, the quicker fighter, the volume puncher. Uh, what we didn't expect is him to take Volkov down and submit him. Uh, shout out to my brother here because he shouted Aspinall by submission at plus 650, and he cashed that. So props to him. But going against someone like Volkov, who is proven in the division, who has fought the who's who and the best of the best, um, and just putting on a master class of striking to start the round like that, it looked like he was just uh, punching the bag. Aspinall was just unloading on him. Um, everything landing, super accurate, which is just really impressive, especially at that heavyweight division. To do that while moving around so quickly, and just dealing with the the slight range advantage um, for Volkov really well, going in and out, feints, uh, those takedowns, and then to top it off with the submission. Wow, wow. I couldn't have been more impressed from Tom Aspinall and then to call out Tai Tuivasa at the end, which I think would be a banger of a fight. Man. I if that ever if that fight ever formulates um slightly Aspinall you heard it here first slightly you're crazy I I will bet the farm on Aspinall after this performance I think (laughs) I hope that they don't make that fight because I like prospect fights don't get me wrong I think they do a lot for the sport um but you, you got to give him his shot. Like you, you got to capitalize on, on what Taito Ivas has got going on right now. And I think you give him someone like Cyril Gan, Um And it's, that's a tough matchup too. Let me, let me make that clear. Um, but this I feel like. It, <laughs> you think so? I, I disagree with that. I really feel like I don't get me wrong. I'm high on Cyril Gan. He got fighter of the year from me last year. A lot of people were like, what the fuck? When they saw, I said that <laughs> I don't care. I gave him my fighter of the year last year. But the only reason I disagree with that is I feel like after seeing the Ngannou fight, obviously it was competitive, but there's a lot of issues on the ground, a lot of issues. And most importantly, 
I think his style against someone that is at a power advantage, I think his style really doesn't age well throughout the rest of the rounds and in championship level fights, which he's going to get from now on. Um, I, I think I'm going to fade gone. So I'm, I'm interested on, on how these things play out, but that's my read. But let, let me hear some more on what you think about that. So the reason why I compare him and why I said he's a better Aspinall, he has the speed, he has the accuracy, the activity. Um, the biggest edge is the cardio, um, the strength, I'll tell you that just, I mean, you can tell by frame now that doesn't always uh, manipulate or not manipulate, sorry, translate into more strength, but obviously he has a bigger and better frame than Tom Aspinall does. Um, the wrestling he can work on, but it's a lot harder to work on the cardio than the wrestling. I'll tell you that. That's very true. Oh, so, slight lean to gone. If that were to ever happen, a gone Aspinall fight, but uh yeah i i just see him having a similar uh path to victory as gone had throughout his rise and we've seen gone get a tko in the third round Derek lewis we've seen that so we'll, we'll just have to see i think that that matchup against francis exposed the holes in uh gone's game and i think he'll he'll work on it and he'll improve because he also was my fighter of the year for last year great minds i'm telling you great minds um i dude i agree with you i'm high on gone i just feel like i hope we get this matchup because i'm gonna get you back on and and we're gonna Uh do this again before Uh the fight and that'll be awesome uh so i hope that plays out now but um i agree though i think that tied to ivasa um tom aspinall fight would also be a great fight for as long as it lasts because i don't think that one will last more than two rounds Uh um so yeah honestly either Either one of those guys, whoever you signed them up to freaking fight, I'm watching because I'm I'm really high on Tom Aspinall now, especially after this performance, and on Tai Tuivasa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't. I couldn't have said any better. You you hit the nail right there. It's few yeah, exciting fighters in the heavyweight division is changing slowly from predominantly power punchers to people who are a little bit more versatile, a little bit more um active rather than looking for that one power shot to end it all it's like a evolution on stipe's game yeah man so moving on to this week's ufc card which honestly at first i was like meh about it but the closer it gets i'm actually i'm actually pretty excited about it uh so the first fight we got up luis saldana coming up against bruno souza uh, I'd love to hear your take on this one. And, of course, let us know if you got any action. So both both these guys, um, mostly decision fighters, just looking at it on paper. Uh, Bruno Souza, the type, uh, we saw him in his last fight against uh, Bakta Sarian. Uh, really no output at all. He he took the beating from Bakta Sarian pretty well. A lot of people were surprised that he even lasted. But Souza is a type of fighter that you don't from a betting standpoint you don't really want to bet on just because of that low output very good on the floor though on the mat he is a submission specialist like he can go from submission to submission he's known to be a very high level uh jiu-jitsu grappler but on the feet 
which I think is where this fight is probably going to take place more often than not. He just doesn't throw any output at all. Uh, compared to Saldana, I mean, I've seen a little bit of this guy where he, he throws, he has decent boxing, um, decent power, nothing too crazy. The, the one bet or the only bet that stood out to me in this fight is uh, fight goes the distance. And um, yeah, that's the only way I can look. Let me see what they have it at right now at the live odds. Uh, actually, I mean, if you want to squeeze out a little bit more, not value, if you want to be a little bit more on the safe side, over two and a half is at minus 220 right now, which I, I think that should be closer to minus 260, 270. So, yeah, that's that's the only way I can look at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, funny enough, when I first uh, so this this is definitely my bias. I I'm not going to lie, bro. When he came into the UFC, this is going to be a deep cut right here. You're probably gonna be like, what the fuck? But Jordan Griffin was one of my like favorite fighters when he came into UFC. Like I was mm -hmm. like this this guy, not that I thought he was going to be good, but I love watching him fight. So when I saw Saldana fight him and, and sort of control the fight the way he did and prevent the takedowns, I definitely was like, well, this guy, this guy might be someone to look out for then. And then that Austin Lingo fight really changed my opinion on that yeah. entirely. Like it, it, it sort of reminded me, obviously, that I, I need to check my bias a little because obviously the levels aren't there um, just because he beat someone that I, I really rate and I like. Um, so I tend to agree with you on this one. I think if your if your bookie has it, which most don't, um, I think you might even be able to squeeze out a little, you know, a little third round submission uh, for Bruno Souza. Just just in case we haven't really seen. Obviously, he has he's been in some tough spots in his in his UFC career so far. So who knows? You know, maybe that's something that could that could be eked out. I ain't doing it. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but for this fight, man. Um, I would say this is one of those fights where I'm not confident either way. So I'm kind of just going to stay away from this one. Um, I tend to think, like you said, activity really matters in the UFC and MMA in general. Um, so that, that definitely has me leaning Saldana, but at the same time, um, <laughs> we'll only know until after that's really how I feel about this one. Uh-huh. Couldn't agree with you more there. Um, I mean, a lot of the fights on this card are going to be analyzed in a similar way where there's always the fear of the unknown lack of um, fight experience, fight tape on some of these fighters just because they're lower level. Uh, and not to say that in any disrespectful way, it's just the truth. Um, but yeah, um, on to the next one we have. Who, who are you picking? Just so that I make sure I write it down. You, you, on on this going? one, you know what? I'm going to have to go with Saldana, but not a heavy lean at all. I'm not going to be betting this fight uh, unless I take that fight goes the distance. Got you. Good call. And random question. Whenever you're doing um, props like that, are you going full units or would it have to be like, is that something you sprinkle on? Um. It just depends on confidence for me, whether it's a prop or whether it's a, uh, a lean onto a fighter side. Uh, this one, I'll probably parlay it with a lot of good parlay pieces on this card, similar to UFC London, but not uh, too heavy or too chalky. So yeah, I'll probably parlay it with, with someone. I haven't decided who yet. I can't wait because I know at least one of your parlay pieces i'm gonna shock you and be picking the other guys I, I, i'm excited okay. for that one um okay. but next up uh mateos nicolau coming up against david dvorak 
I'm very pumped for this fight. Like anyone that says flyweight's a bad division, they smoking that shit because this this division is stacked, and there's a lot of good fighters that not a lot of people are aware of. And I think both of these guys fit that bill. Um, I really am. I'm, I'm gonna come out with my bias off the top. I love Mateos Nicolau. I think he's a really good fighter. I think he is a lot more controlled than you see from a lot of fighters at flyweight. I think. The, the scrambly nature of that division, um, he sort of goes against it in a lot of ways, uh, which which I think is always interesting when you see a fighter sort of um, anti uh, the mold of their division. Um, at the same time, David Dvorak is looking really good, man. He's looking really good. So this is, this is a tough matchup. Um, I feel like experience-wise, obviously, um, the edges to Nikolau just based on the the – level of fighter he's faced in the UFC. I I would argue potential wise long term, I think Dvorak might might have a little bit of a higher ceiling. Uh but I think where they are right now in their careers, uh, I think I'm going to go with Nikolaou in this one and probably confident in him sort of easing into a decision through leg kicks, jabs and keeping him at distance. So that that's my play on this one. Uh what what are your thoughts on this matchup? Hey, we're we're on the same side here. So I, I like Nicolau in this fight. Uh, strength of schedule is huge for me. Whenever uh, fighters, whenever I analyze a fight, I look at strength of schedule first thing. And when Nicolau has wins over Tim Elliott by decision, uh, Manel Cap by decision, that, although it was split, I think he won it. Um, Felipe Efren, decent, also by decision. Uh, that raises a lot of eyebrows. I mean, those aren't easy wins, especially those last two. Um, his only loss is to someone who was very grapple heavy, and that is not Dvorak at all. Uh, Dvorak, on the other hand, uh, finished three of his last five fights, two by submission, one by knockout. Um, I just don't know about his, just the level of competition that he's faced there. When you fight people like uh, Manel Cobb and you fight, someone like Tim Elliott, as we saw Tim Elliott beat Tagir a couple weeks ago, Tim Elliott's no joke. So he, he'll give you a run for his money. And for Nicolau to survive that and to come out with a win, not just a split win, it was a unanimous decision. It, it holds a high regard to me. Uh, Dvorak has a two-inch reach advantage from what I'm seeing here. Uh, Nicolau has a one-inch height advantage, but that doesn't really factor in too much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going Nicolau here probably by decision. Yeah, man. And I think this is going to be it, win or lose. I feel like this is the turning point for, for David Dvorak. I think a lot of people are going to know who he is. And um, even if he takes a loss in this one, I think it'll really only up his level at this stage of his career, uh, which is what I love about MMA, man. You don't get one L and then get shipped to the bottom of the prelims. So that, that's always good. Uh, but yep. yeah, no controversy in this one. We can move on to the next one. We uh -huh. got Jennifer Maya coming up against Manon Fiaho. Um, I am, this is probably top three fights on this card for me. Like I'm super pumped for this one. And it's not even because I think it's going to be competitive. <laughs> I just really, I love Fiaho. I think she's very, very good. Um, I think what shocked me the most about her game is her clinch game. I, I always was very excited about her striking. Uh, but her level of clinch, she really reminds me a lot, and, and I hope this isn't a casual thing to say, but she reminds me a lot of a young Joanna Young Jacek uh, with the way she sort of 
is able to collect the clinch very well um, and, and keep opponents framed out in a way that they're not sort of able to uh, fight for <clears throat> easy takedowns. So this this matchup is tough, though, man. I, I want to be very frank about this. Going from Jessica I to going to Jennifer Maya, that's a huge jump, um, especially when you see in clinch scenarios, in grappling scenarios, she was able to survive and have some very brief moments against Valentina Shevchenko. Um, I this this one, I know who I'm picking. I hundred percent know I'm going with Fio, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of room for some dangerous spots and and some trouble, especially if Jennifer Maya really gets top control for multiple rounds. Like I think that's when we're really gonna find out how her getup game is because we haven't really seen that or been uh given the opportunity to see that because she's very good at keeping on her feet um so man i'm i'm excited about this one uh i am pumped i i just feel bad for jennifer maya to a certain extent because i thought she came off Mm -hmm. that uh fight against valentina looking very very good and now they're giving her just one of the toughest tests in the division so uh fun matchup for sure though Definitely, definitely. And um, I'm on the same side as you here. Uh, l- just looking at the the records here, 19-8-1 uh, and one for Maya and 8-1-0 uh, and o for Fioro. Uh, Jennifer Maya's lost three out of her last five fights, two of those being to Caitlin Chukagian and one being to Valentina, as we all know. Now, the one fight that I could see there's sometimes where I can picture fights uh, from the past and kind of pave a way for what's to come in the future. A fight that I think is going to look identical to how this one's going to match up on Saturday is going to be Jennifer Maya against Caitlin Chukagin. Uh, Fiora, we know, is mainly a striker, really solid striking. <clears throat> and when Maya fought Chukagin, I mean, we haven't really seen any grappling at all from Caitlin Trukagian. It's mainly just volume punching, volume punching. And I just think Fiora just dominates Maya here. Unless it gets to the ground, uh, I feel like Fiora's going to look, I hope I'm not wrong by saying this, but she's probably going to look like a minus thousand here. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good if she's show. able to keep it on the, on the feet. So definitely, uh, I already have a parlay with Fiora and my betting slip it's fioro and curtis blades not to spoil anything for later but heavy lean heavy lean to fioro i'm not sure if anyone's gonna be surprised by that due to her being a minus 400 favorite right now but uh yeah that's all i gotta say here it's it's just uh, yeah maya has the advantage on the on the on the mats with her black belt jiu-jitsu but i've just never seen the wrestling from her to go with that black belt like it's one thing to be a black belt but it's another thing to be a black belt that can grapple and wrestle really effectively so i i just think she she's gonna down maya with the striking pressure yeah man that's a really good shout and funny enough what, what really sort of freaks me out about this matchup is like i was thinking about this hard before we got on the show and i'm like is there a way um that jennifer meyer could really win this and and immediately i'm like yeah she could bush, uh, bum rush her over get it get a takedown end up in those spots but then the more i thought about that i think <laughs> i really need to give respect to fiho's strength like i i've seen her uh out muscle a lot of women at this division already 
um and in a way that doesn't really fit her frame like i think that's something that stands out to me whenever i'm watching fighters if if you see them being very physically aggressive and and their frame doesn't particularly look like they should be able to do those things i'm like yeah they must be uh freaky strong for their size and and i think she's one of those uh one of those gals so funny enough when i first heard the line um i thought uh it was pretty wide but then the more i thought about it i'm like I would never like I would never feel comfortable putting a dog shot on Jennifer Jennifer Maya. So that that's it makes it work, even though I feel like at this point of her, her career, this being her biggest test. That's why I'm like the line might be a little wide. But at the same time, I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's not wide enough for me to make a shot. If it got like <laughs> if it got like plus 600, may, maybe I might I might sprinkle a, a couple bucks or something. But yeah, uh, definitely going with Fiaho on this one. Yeah, uh, you and me both looking at that wide line in the beginning. I was like maybe it's a little too wide and then i slowly started looking at tape and like mm -hmm. i guess it's 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 warranted it's where it needs to be yeah yeah legit. i i i love listen it's weird that i'm gonna say this i follow jennifer meyer's career since when she was in invicta i, I love her as a fighter i think she's very perseverant um uh, which is uh let me be frank a trait that is needed in women's mma especially when when it comes to um <clears throat> the the sort of physical advantages uh that uh -huh. you're seeing now with the change of the guard in the division i feel like technically um this fight is on a comp like there's a huge mismatch technically on the feet and that I, i'm interested to see if we find out that there is a mismatch on the ground i don't think there is the way we think there is but uh <laughs> that was funny but yeah well, should be yeah. cool should be cool <laughs> so next love up, it love it Aliashkab Kizriev coming up against Dennis Tuluin. Tuluin. Uh, that that's good luck to the commentators tonight. That's a, that's all I gotta say on that. Just night. call him Dennis. Yes, sir. Just call him Dennis. Don't even try it. <laughs> uh, what what are your thoughts on this matchup, man? I feel genuinely bad for what's gonna happen to Dennis Tulin this Saturday. They're Probably. they're they're straight him up. Like straight up feeding him to the wolves. If any of you guys have already watched tape on Kizriev, the mo some of the most nasty ground and pound I've ever seen. And period. I'm not saying like uh from a low, lower level fighter making his debut. Period. He has ground and pound like no other. He has the, the Dagestani wrestling style and mean nasty ground and pound kind of similar to how khabib used to bring people down but raining elbows like kind of curtis blades does it and he's knocked so many people out with that um really solid striker as well um man quote me here round one kizri of ko or tko nice he's well, also so, a do they have a line on that um It'll take me a second to pull it up, but it's it's probably going to be something closer to minus one ten somewhere along along those lines because it's similar to how Pavlovich and uh, Abdurakimov was uh, touted to be last Saturday, and I mean we got it. Uh, I think this is very similar, and I think it'll happen probably a lot faster. Uh, Tulin ten and five going up against thirteen and zero uh, Kizriev. Um, they're both from Russia. Um, Kizriev, just obviously the more experienced fighter. Uh, we saw him get a submission in a rear naked choke in Contender Series. 
uh, his last outing. And then if you look at the last four wins after that contender series, three of them were TKO, KO, ground and pound. So you know what this guy wants to do. And I think he's going to have no trouble. He's going to pass this test in flying colors. Great shouts, man. When I when I first saw uh, Kizriev was when he fought Pahiaris, and it wasn't even live. Like I saw the the highlight after, and I'm like, holy fuck! Like if I had if my bookie actually played lines for Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, hook me up. If you if you know somewhere I could bet on those fights, hook me up. But um, literally when I when I saw that, I was like, yeah, this dude's gonna destroy this guy, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened when I saw he was matched up on that show. Uh, yeah, man, I agree with you 100%. I'm going to be very honest with everyone at home. I don't even know who Dennis Tulewin is. And I, I agree with you 1000%. Um, so I lean, leaned on you on that one heavy, but I, I'm going with you as well. Yeah, it's it's just very, very clear to me the path to victory. And I I don't like Tulin the way he moves his feet around, the way he defends wrestling. It's not good. Um and Kizriev is another parlay piece, and I'll mention when the fight comes around who the second piece of that parlay is. And we talked about this before. Usually my parlays are two to three fighters at most. I don't like going for those D-Gen five, six fighter parlays, although last weekend it would have worked in my favor, but more likely than not, it won't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm doing mainly two fighters this uh, this weekend. And I, I learned my my harsh lessons with doing that as well. So probably gonna keep it towards three. But I, I get I get a little ballsy. I, I like a couple right of legs. Event. You chose the right event though. Mm-hmm, for sure. I'll give you that. Yeah, except for picking um, <laughs> against Paul Craig. But yeah. uh, we'll act like that didn't happen. This next fight no, coming no, up, man. This is in. This is also up there for one of the fights I'm most hyped uh-huh. about. Um, Chris Gutierrez coming up against Dana Batgeri. Man, first of all, I just got to start on on the left side of things. I'm a huge fan of Chris Gutierrez. I'm a big fan of Factory X in general as a camp. I think they're very well-trained, uh, very disciplined, and they get good corner advice. I think that that's a performance enhancer, bro. Like, if, if you're watching these fights and you're listening to the corner and you're observing a lot of these sort of comeback wins, they shouldn't really be that big of a surprise to you, especially from Factory X fighters. Uh, that's why... In, in certain performances, like, for example, Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira, I was just, I was just like, Anthony, please, just just listen to your corner, bro. Like, they're, they're telling you everything you need to do, and you're straying away from it. Um, but at the same time, Chris Gutierrez as a fighter, let's get into that. His strength, in my opinion, more so than anything, obviously, is just his brutal leg kicks, calf, shin, thigh. All, all of it gets torn up by this guy. His kicks are extremely fast. He's one of those guys where actually <laughs> I don't I don't cringe when he throws kicks first. That that's how fast he is. Cause usually once I see naked kicks, I'm like, oh, here we go. This guy's about to get tagged. But not, not with Gutierrez. He's lightning fast with those kicks. And he disguises them well with his blitzes. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't even have to throw punches. He blitzes forward and then throws hard kicks, sort of running into them. Um, I'm a really big fan of his style because it's another one where you don't really see guys fight the way he does. Like you watch him fight and you know, it's a Chris Gutierrez fight uh, mm-hmm. with the way he lands those kicks. Uh, I've seen him welt up a couple of different people's legs in a bad way. Um, 
But man, on the other side of this one, he got a he got a tough hill to climb, man. Dana is a beast, a beast. And I knew he was good when I first saw him make his UFC debut. But lately, he's just been impressing in a way that I didn't expect, frankly. I feel like he's really coming to his own, especially when it comes to his power. Um, I'm going to say this off rip right now. Look at that by decision line, because I think regard what to go the distance, because I think that's really big in this one. I think Donna is really going to try to settle in, especially with Gutierrez fighting style. I feel like it's going to be hard to pressure him the way Donna likes to pressure people when he gets finishes um, because of how elusive he is. So look at that uh, goes the distance prop, please. But for me, man, I went back and forth on this one initially. I sort of was leaning Chris and then eventually I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to gonna pick uh, Dana here. But at the same time, I won't be surprised at all if it's super competitive and it really comes down to the third round. Not because, like, I think first round is going to be Dana's no matter what, <laughs> personally. Um, but I think the wear and tear of Gutierrez's style could really even things up towards the latter end of the fight. Um, I'm pumped for this one because I think this is a big test for both of these guys. Uh, and I feel bad a little bit for Gutierrez because, damn, g- give him give him a favorable fight every once in a while. Like, he, he's been fighting a lot of really good fighters lately. Um, but you you heard everything I got to say. I'm going with Dana here. What's okay. your thoughts on this one, man? Here's the thing. Um, as you mentioned, Chris Gutierrez is known for those vicious calf kicks. Uh, what's the nickname they gave him? The, the, the calf... Something along those, the, the calf destroy the calf stealers, something along those lines. You could find it on his on his socials. But we all know his game plan. He tries to slow people down with those calf kicks. To me, if you want to be very accurate in betting this fight, if it goes the distance, this is going to be Gutierrez's fight, in my opinion. If it goes the distance, then I think Denard doesn't game plan well enough, or doesn't follow his game plan as well as he thought he did. Because as the fight goes on, those leg kicks are going to wear more and more and more. And Dana just has no power to even throw anymore. We've seen it. it, Dana leans heavily on his front leg for those power shots. Now, I'm still picking Dana. Vicious KO power. Let's just start with that. He knocked out his last three opponents. And then... If he's able to to check some of those kicks from Gutierrez, I think he'll be fine, but I've never seen him check kicks. So that's my issue going into later rounds. I think if Dana wins, it's going to be either round one or maybe early round two KO. Gutierrez, just to note this, he has not faced a good striker, or at least as good as Dana. And a lot of people are bringing this point up to where Gutierrez has never been knocked out before. Now, if we look at Dana's last fight, he fought Brandon Davis, who has never been knocked out before until he fought Dana. Got absolutely vicious knockout. And I was on Dana there, too. So I, I, I can't help but go with Dana here. Um, that one thing, that one point I made about Brandon Davis, his last fight, uh, where everyone mentioned that he didn't get knocked and he faced Timur Valiev before he faced Dana. And we saw Valiev can crack. Still didn't get knocked out. And Dana is just that guy. I think he gets it done. 
I'll shout an if you want if you want a prediction, it's gonna be a, a round two early KO. Nice. That's that's where I'm going with it. Dude, I lo- I loved everything you said, but I got I gotta rebuttal you here with this one. The reason why I'm feeling like it, it, it goes a distance is a real thing in Dana's favor, is I feel like the Felipe Colares fight, I did not expect him to dig himself out of a hole the way he did. I, I just want to say Colares has a historic chin if you ask me like the uh, the beatings that he takes in every one of his fights he's not going to be along in uh for a long time in the ufc just because of the way he takes punishment on a regular basis um but that fight really sticks out to me um because i feel like in order actually the more i'm kind of talking myself out of this but to to a certain extent that fight sticks out to me because i feel like towards the the latter half of the fight um that activity with the kicks really did wear on chris gutierrez so i'm interested to see how that plays out but i agree with you 100 if you're if you're betting by ko uh, of course you're going by, with dana and probably in those first two rounds so mm-hmm. great shouts i it's interesting we're five fights in we got the same exact bet sheet right now so th- this is this is interesting pretty much pretty much yeah man so next up Sarah McMahon coming up against Carol Hossa. Um I'll let you I'll let you break this one down. How you how you feeling about this one? I only have one sentence to say. It's Rosa by decision. And I'm gonna drop the mic there. Wow. Wow. Uh, Sarah McMahon is decent. She's shown to have some some like success on the floor with some submissions. But <sighs> Carol Rosa is gonna be bigger fighter in my opinion here um 15 and 3 record for carol rosa 12 and 6 for sarah mcmahon just for those wondering uh rosa right now is sitting at a minus 220 favorite against and the comeback is uh plus 180 on mcmahon i i just don't think mcmahon should even be fighting anymore she's 41 against rosa who's 27 she's gonna be a lot way younger fighter here and it's going to show. Um, it's just going to be a, a lopsided fight to a decision for Rosa. And that's my second parlay piece with Kizriev. I like it. I like it a lot. Now, I know you saw my face. So you know you know what that means. I'm still picking Carol Hulsa, but I think she's going to finish the fight. I, I think her activity at this weight class is is good against any fighter. Uh, but against Sarah McMahon specifically, I think I think that really comes to bear, especially towards the latter half of the of the fight, where Sarah McMahon sort of got out her takedown attempts already, and you start seeing uh, the effects of that energy output. Um, I it's a shame, man, because I really I really rated Sarah McMahon early on in her career. Mm-hmm. I just thought she got some bad uh, matchups, but uh, age catches up to you big. Yeah, age age catches up to you big. And at 41 um, against a young stud, like, let me, let me be honest about this. Top five jacked women in MMA, right? Like <laughs> off the top of the head, like she is stacked, bro. Like, Tyler she, Santos, number one. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> I, she, her muscles are insane. Um, I, 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 I rate her very highly. I think moving forward, initially, when I first saw her fight in the UFC, I actually felt the opposite way i was like she she's a hoss but at the same time um how how well is that going to hold up but later on in her career she really convinced me that she has that output 
especially in later rounds as well. And with that frame is <laughs> fucking crazy. Uh, I don't know. Some, somebody go test those Brazilian fighters. That, that's all I got to say. <laughs> we need USADA over there ASAP. Um, but yeah, I, my heart is with Sarah McMahon in this one, but I'm also picking Carol Rosa Polly to get a TKO in this one on the feet against the fence. Like that's, what's going to happen. She's going to get swarmed against the fence. So if this happens, I'm clipping it and posting it on Twitter. Let's get it. I couldn't agree with you more. All right, man. Next up. So this one right here, I personally feel that they did my boy, Neil Magny dirty. It's Neil Magny coming up against Max Griffin. While I get why Max Griffin deserves this spot, I get why he deserves a matchup of this caliber. At the same time, I feel bad for Magny because he was actually one of the people in the running trying to get a fight against uh, Hamza Chimaev. While I don't think that fight would have turned out well for him, um, (laughs) not at all. Um, But I do feel like he deserves to be on that upper echelon of the division versus fighting uh, someone, in my opinion, who hasn't shown that level yet um i feel like his career has been filled with a lot of matchups just like these uh where they're they're giving him the 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 guy that isn't necessarily young per se but sort of newer in the the latter half of the division and these are the guys that he really puts a stop to not i don't think he's going to finish him here i think we're going to see a lot of uh clinch control and um the only way I see a finish, honestly, is if Max Griffin is really pushing hard in the first two rounds and then he sort of gasses out. I think he tends to have some really hard third rounds in his career. Um, I'm also a fan of Max Griffin as well. I think he has overperformed my expectations for him entirely. Um, so that definitely plays into this one for me. I feel like if Max Griffin ends up winning, it's going to be like, ah, oh, I should have known almost, but I just haven't rated him in that way yet. Um, I don't know, man. A lot of things stick out to me in this one. I'm ultimately going to be siding with Magny here. I think this might be another one that he could potentially um, bet to go to the distance. I I feel like this one is probably going to be a decision. Uh, I'm a big fan of Magny, man. Let's go. Let's go, Neil Magny. You couldn't have said it any better. And I was about to stop you when you said younger fighter. I'm like, Max Griffin is older. Yeah. I'm yep. like, what? Looking at this topology page, yeah, he's 36 and Neil Magny's at 34. Uh, here's, here's the thing. Magny has been proven and he's been battle tested. Their UFC has been disrespecting him with these gatekeeper fights, man. It's, it's just not fair. It's not fair, like point blank simple. Um, but yeah, just the way he wins this fight, he's going to be grinding these fights out on the cage and on the floor with his dirty boxing, as we've seen, um, he's going to come out here with seven more pro fights. So that's going to play a huge factor than Max Griffin. Uh, he's also been more active than Griffin at about three fights per year. So that just shows that a, he's not as injury prone or is, he just doesn't like to, uh, he likes to keep going he doesn't want to stall uh versus griffin where he's coming off maybe like one so maybe two fights a year uh magny has four inches of reach so that's going to help him out with his dirty boxing and the clinch i just think he outclasses him almost everywhere here uh to a decision i agree with you on on that 
So Neil Magny, I think, is going to be a, a solid parlay piece as well. I haven't had anything on him yet. Um, looking at different angles on this card so far, which leads me to maybe parlaying him with um, that fight doesn't go to distance with the uh, so, sorry fight goes a distance in a Sosa fight. So we'll see. I'm going to keep my eye out on uh, eye out on that. Great shouts. I just want to say real quick, let play a little game with me here. You're you're in Max Griffin's corner. What's what's his route to victory? What what are you training? What are you trying to implement in this fight? Don't let Neil Magny be the aggressor. Neil Magny has shown when he's fighting off his back foot to not be as effective. Not saying he's not effective at all, but that's his weakness. Um, there's some fighters that absolutely love being on the back foot and just being counter punchers. That's not Neil Magny. So be the aggressor. Uh, probably impose some sort of wrestling, uh, but just control time. Against the clinch, either way, uh, he's not going to win it. Um, even when Magny's against the cage, she's going to be throwing those elbows. So stay away from Neil Magny as much as you can, unless it's on the floor. Because, yeah, uh, Magny has some decent ground and pound, can get you to the floor every once in a while, but it's, it's not his game. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what I would say. I agree with you a lot. I think his jab coming downhill is one of the best jabs in MMA. I, I love Neil Magny's jab. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I disagree with you on something. I feel like Max Griffin needs to avoid wrestling in, in this fight. And the reason okay. is because if you get Magny up against the fence, you better get that takedown. Not because yeah. Magny's a great wrestler, but just he's going to reverse that position on you. He does it to everyone. <laughs> like, he literally does it to everyone. He has a hard time, especially at range, uh, defending those takedowns. I agree with that 100%, like in the middle of the cage. Um, I, I would say train leg kicks this entire entire camp and just stay stay rushing in and punctuating your combos with leg kicks i feel like that's a big problem for neil magny and if you keep him on the back um like you said if you keep him on the back foot but towards the fence i feel like that's in a way where he wants to be even though it doesn't necessarily benefit his style i feel like um, Neil Magny tends, especially when he's fighting a wrestler, he wants to be up against that fence. So don't give him what he wants. Don't don't let don't let him draw you into that clinch battle. Uh, just punctuate with leg kicks. Stay on the outside, but not too far out, and you should be fine, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I'm excited for this one. If he could, honestly, if Max Griffin, like I said, if Max Griffin pulls this off in any fashion, uh, let alone like dominantly on the ground. Um, I would be super surprised and I'll have to start thinking about this guy differently. Uh, he's mm -hmm. growing out his hair for this fight. So who knows? Maybe there's some power in the main. <laughs> um, but yeah, Neil Magny all the way. We're riding it. And next right. up. So let me get this straight. Yeah. All, all on the same side so far. Flower Claus is coming to town. Yes, sir. This Mark Casey versus I'm not going to try it. Slava Claus. Um, I want to hear your thoughts on this one first. How, how are you feeling about this fight? It's so tough. It's so tough. I'm a big fan of Slava Claus. I watched him since before the Contender Series fight. Always, I've known this guy is going to have some sort of breakthrough in the UFC just based off of that striking, man. He's a solid striker, very accurate, very fast. They might have done him dirty here. And Contrary to a lot of popular belief, um, I think Diakise has what it takes to beat him. 
Now, if you look at Slava Claus's last fight, I will only refer him as Slava Claus, just FYI. Uh, if you look at Slava's last uh, last fight, he fought Dakota Bush, and Dakota Bush took him down pretty easily. But the one thing we saw is Slava's get-up game is pretty decent. But we're talking about Dakota Bush here. He's not the greatest wrestler. But Diakise has fought better competition. So that's one thing. High-level competition we're talking here. Um, even though he's failed a couple of those tests, it's fine. He wrestles a lot a lot and I'm, i was a little shocked when i was looking at some of these numbers shooting like almost seven eight takedowns a fight if not more and diakise i mean he has some pre-average maybe below average striking defense so if he's not able to take this to the floor then yeah i will say slava claus will get this by ko i think the game plan is take him down to the floor and keep him there because on the floor, on the mat, I don't think Slava has enough experience there yet to, to overcome Diakis' wrestling. Now, if he does, I'll get to him. He's shown massive improvements. And then also coming out of Team Alpha Male, I could see why and how he made those improvements that quick. But, yeah, give me the, give me the dog here. It's dog or pass. And Diakis is at a plus 160 right now. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I really like it. Are you gonna Are you gonna make a bet on this one? Curious. Yeah. Nice. Good. Good luck. 100%. I will say that. Good luck. And this is why I agree with you a hundred percent on your analysis. Like I, I think Dia Casey should be a favorite in this fight, but there's a big X factor, and that X factor is, I feel like Mark Dia Casey has everything, all the tools physically. Like I feel like he should be a much better fighter than he's played out to be so far. I feel like a lot of his issues lie in game planning and finding a right way to game plan. I feel like in a lot of, a lot of ways, multiple times in his career, I'm like upset screaming at the TV. Like, why don't you just do this? Why, why are you doing that? <laughs> um, I, I think even his corner can't rein him in. Cause they, for the most part, those guys at ATT, they, they tell these guys the right things. Um, and I think the reason why he stood around so long in the UFC is because they know and see that potential. I feel like tool set wise, if we're not, if we, if this is the UFC video game, he would be a top 15 fighter. In my opinion, I really believe that. I think he's that level of athlete. Um, the team will pack out and knock out always sticks out into my head. Uh, John Goodwin is also on the call on that one. He just mobilized him. That was beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> but um, I can't, I would never in my life put money on Mark Diacasey. I'm gonna make that very, very clear. And I, I I'm trying to I'm trying to talk you out of this one. Um, but just because even in close fights, he ends up in tough spots and puts himself in bad spots because he he like you said he goes for those takedowns very heavily in times where he shouldn't and then he relies on his striking in times where he shouldn't um this is a tough one for me i honestly feel like i won't be surprised either way like i i really won't um but i'm going slava claus here just because i cannot trust the casey at this stage of his career um 
and it, it, it's sad because I, I feel like he was a, definitely one of those guys I was really rooting for early on in his career just because I saw the potential. I mean, a lot of those things stand out on the tape in every one of his fights, um, but it's the total package in MMA. And, I mean, there's a lot of questions on Slava Claus's side, so th this analysis could definitely come back to bite me. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the the aggression and the sort of stick to that Slava Claus has versus the, the scatterbrain approach. Like, I'm pretty sure that early on in this fight, <laughs> in a way, I feel like Dia Casey likes being everywhere, but doesn't put himself anywhere, if that makes sense. Like, he, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> he will, he, 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 on, from outside, he has really good kicks, um, but he'll never keep himself in range when it when it's good for him. <laughs> so it, it's just so hard for me to trust him. Um, but yeah, give me Slava Claus here. That, that's my pick on this one. Yeah, I see in situations like this is where I, it's like dogger pass for me. So I'm either betting the case or I'm passing. I'm just watching the fight and enjoying it. I'm pretty certain I'm going to take that dog money because I haven't taken a dog in a little bit. And I think this is the right spot. I'm not surprised if I'll pass though, because just because I like Slava. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> you love to, you love to hear it. Next up. This is another, uh, the dance. <laughs> this is another one of those fights that I should not be this excited <laughs> for, but bro, I am pumped for this fight. Alia Latifi coming up against the warrior that we do not deserve, Alexei Olenek. I just want to say, oh, shout, out to, shout out to, you ready for this one? You ready, you ready for this one? Shout out to the, <laughs> the Whamma Fight Pits. Do you, do you remember that? Bruh, <laughs> it, it was a fucking moat. This man was fighting in a moat way back in the day. Um, obviously, I didn't watch that live, but I went back and watched that event because I'm like, nah, I got, I got to see what the fuck this looked like. <laughs> Hilarious stuff. <laughs> Um, I, I really love Alexio Linick as a human. I just hope he gets everything he deserves in this world. I think, I think he's someone that overachieved times 50 to the, his sort of uh -huh. potential. Um, I, I think he, everything he's earned in this sport, he f has fucking worked for. Like you have to get extremely good at strangulation to get away with a lot of the things he gets away with. Ezekiel um, joke, man. Dude, and just the the, the shit that he don't does. even know what an Ezekiel choke is. Yeah, man. How could you? How could you? He's been riding horses his whole life. How how would you know about Ezekiel? <laughs> but but literally, my my main thing about this fight is everything about this tells me to pick a Leo Latifi. Like a hundred percent, I would not bet on um Alexio Linick here. But but there's a heavy but here. Um. Two things. I think <laughs> I think Alir Latifi is another one of those guys that has a hard time putting it together. Two, I feel like <laughs> Alexio Linda got sleep like sleepy power. Like, don't sleep on his power on the feed. I feel like if you ex a lot of people exchange with this guy, and don't get me wrong, it's it makes sense. His striking doesn't look good at all. But there's been a lot of times where he's he's cracking guys. You would think would be easily outclassing him on the feet. Um, obviously, I'm picking a little Latifi here, uh, but that's not where my heart is at all. War Alexi Olenek. Yeah, I'm on the same side. Um, I'm not betting this. I will. I refuse to bet this. If you decide to bet this, good luck, because you're going to be very frustrated even if you win. 
because, I mean, the, the way I see Latifi winning is by wrestling. That's his, that's his game, pretty much. Wrestle him, take him to the floor. The guy has no neck. He can't choke you. Um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it, goes, it goes shoulder, trap, head. And that's it. You're so, so yeah, I just think Latifi is the rightful favorite here at 160. I've even seen it go up to like 190 some places. I'm like, you have to be nuts going 190 here. Like both of these guys are getting up in age, especially Olenek, obviously, but it's going to be hard to even think about placing a bet here. Maybe if I'm on like one of those props where I don't think it's going to have, it has a good chance of happening, but I still want to take it for the value. Maybe I'll parlay that with Latifi, but as a straight pick, Oh, you best bet I'm not taking that. I would rather take my money and spend it at the grocery store, like at Target. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm telling you guys right now, live betting for this fight is the way to go. If we yes. get to the second round, put bet the farm on Latifi. Like 100% bet the farm on Latifi. I wish that I was in another spot of my room right now because I'm looking at a, a hoodie that I have. It's a, it's a primitive hoodie. It has the thing on it. And that's who Latifi is, bro. This dude is just bricked up from the fucking socks. It, he does. He does not make sense to me. Like as a as a physical specimen, he he looks. He re, he reminds me of Zangief in all, in all of those ways from Street Fighter. Uh, Aaliyah Latifi is so strange, and that's why I love this fight because both of these guys are fucking strange. <laughs> Let me leave it at that. Uh, real quick, one other note on Aaliyah Latifi. Something that I would never forget in my life, and I wish someone else in the world would do at the UFC level. Remember that choke against Travis Brown, where he went sideways mm -hmm. with the scissors on his legs, and you could see how uncomfortable that was, and the way it was sort of affecting that position. Um, Alexi Olenek does cool shit every time he fights because he doesn't, frankly belong in there athletically with a lot of these guys so he needs to pull out the cool shit um so yeah i'm gonna be in all of this fight no matter which way it goes because it's gonna it's be, be dumb it's gonna it's be gonna dumb be yep <laughs> okay now in this in my frank opinion i think this is the main event i don't care what anyone else says this is my Man. main event this is a number one contender fight how is this the fourth um fight down it's not a co-main dude at least, Man. at least. Yeah, they disrespect the flyweight division way too much. Big time. Way too much. I mean, both of the fights in these cards on this card is really good. But let's get into the analysis for this one. Askar Askarov coming up oh, against man. Kai Kara France. What are your thoughts on this one, brother? I have a case for both. I have a case that Kai Kara France is a really good striker with bricks for hands and his takedown defense is pretty good but i don't think he's faced anyone as good of a grappler as askar askarov even though askarov shoots a lot if you look at the, the numbers he's not that accurate with his takedowns he's 11 for 39 which is a little bit less than 30 percent success rate um that guy france is proven on his feet uh, he's that last knockout against Garbrandt, I mean, yeah, I get it. Glass Jen Garbrandt, we, we all know the deal, but he's still fast. All of these guys in the flyweight division, we expect to be fast, but something about Kara, he has that speed powered in with, uh, com with a combination with the power. 
And I don't know if Askarov has faced as good of a striker in recent memory. I know he had a, that draw with Brendan Moreno, but that was a bit ago. Uh, I can justify the the price tag for Askarov if it was around like minus 210, 220. That's where I think it should be. And that's where it might get. A lot of people might see value in betting Kaikara France as that plus 270 underdog which i'm one of those people but if that line starts creeping down on oscar up to minus 200 that's where i'm pulling the trigger so at the current line i will have to go with a small small sprinkle on kaikara france i don't think i can justify that for oscar i do think oscar is a future champion of this division though dude great analysis i love it um, I'm a big fan of Kai Kyle France. When I first saw him fight, and this was on Tough way back in the day, I was like, this dude's going to be champ. Like, I, I was legitimately convinced. I was like, this dude's going to be champ one day. Obviously, um, you would need to get Demetrius Johnson somewhere else, and that's exactly what they did. So I was like, yeah, man, this guy's going to be champ one day. <laughs> Still the dumbest thing ever. He's going to be fighting again soon, by the way, in a mixed rules fight. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's this Saturday, I'm pretty sure, isn't it? Friday. Yep, Friday. Friday, yeah. It's going to be nice. Friday morning. I'm excited. That card is fucking stacked, by the way. Uh We we should be breaking that down instead of this. (laughs) But, um, dude, dude, I can't, I really can't put a finger on this one. Like, I agree with you 100%. I think, ultimately, I'm picking Askarov here. I'm a fan of his, his story. The fact that he fights out there with, without proper hearing is is something to admire for mm-hmm. anyone um i think be a little bit easy with what you said about his takedowns i think that the strength of competition especially in the ufc really skews those numbers um i think he's fought guys that are really good at preventing those takedowns and i don't think kai Carl france is on that uh, level on that Joseph Benavidez level, even Brandon Moreno level of scrambling. I don't think he's anywhere near that. Um, so I, I feel a little bit more heavy towards Askarov than I think you do. But at the same time, I agree with you. Like, I, I feel like there is value on a sprinkle on Kai. Like, this would be one of those fights where I would make a parlay that involves Askarov, and then I'll make a straight play that literally will cover the entire parlay. Um, I, I like doing that a lot because I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense um, in a fight like this, because it, if I'm picking a, a, a surefire fight to, to win, um, most of the time I'm not putting Askarov in a parlay unless I have the option to do that. Um, so, man, um, I'm excited for this one. I think I, well, first of all, I hope that we get to see some early Kai Kara France success. I think, um, I don't think he's going to be able to get a knockout early, uh, but I I think there's going to be some problems early on gauging that distance and especially dealing with that fresh speed. Um, Mm -hmm. If there is, I don't think it'll be first round. I think it'll be a round two TKO for um, Kai, but I'm going to Askarov here and I agree with what you said, man. I think he's on that level. He deserves a title fight. And if he ends up losing here, um, Give Kai the title fight, and no matter what oh, happens, yeah. I, I'm riding. I'm riding with Kai, no matter who the hell the champ is at the moment. Um, real quick, I have to ask you this because we, we we're coming to a close on this analysis. 
Who do you think wins the fourth fight between Brandon Moreno and da- Davison Figueredo? I've always been a Figueredo guy. Always. Bet on him every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's made me money. <laughs> he was an underdog a couple times, so it was good. Um, yeah, I, I, I take Figueredo there. It's more all-around skill set for me. I like fighters like that. Figgy weirdo. Uh, that, that's what mm-hmm. I love calling him. God of War. Um, dude, I I agree with you. My heart definitely says Moreno, though. I'm a big I'm a big Brandon Moreno guy. Also from that same so season nice. of Tough, funny enough. Same uh-huh. season of Tough where, where I first saw him fight uh, against Pantoja. That was a fucking war, by the way. Check that out if you want to. Yeah. If you're running on a treadmill and you need some motivation, uh, put on Oscar Oscar. I mean, um, Brandon Moreno versus uh, Pantoja, the first one in the Tough House. That fight was awesome. Um, but anyway, if when it comes to to this matchup, I think no matter what, if the winner of this doesn't face whoever wins that four fight, criminal. Like I don't care how it plays out. We can't yeah. run the same fight back five times, bro. We can't. I mean, see, I see why they're running it four times, just because one of them was the draw. So. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think it's needed because they have one win and one win. This is the, this is the actual trilogy fight. So I'm I'm very, very excited and looking forward to this one. Now, can you remember, do you think that was a deserved draw? No. Neither do I. Do you, do you remember who you thought won that fight? I scored it Figueredo. So did I. Um, fa- phantom low blows and things like that. Play, played very, a big part. Played a big part in that one, um, but I'm a like I said, I'm a Moreno fan. I still can't believe that he won the way he did. Like mm-hmm. to this day, landing that that straight shot and put him down, and That's he fell like dude fell like he got shot. Like he he fell fast. Like at that weight, you usually don't really see that, um, mm-hmm. dude. He felt like he got shot. Guy Herbert um, kind of fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that's rough. Uh, one real quick, beautiful video I saw on Twitter this week. Uh, Jai Herbert and uh, Ilya Tapuria in the back, uh, sort of giving each other props. Uh, I love seeing that. Oh, really? Check I didn't see that. that. Check out that video if you could catch it. But um, anyway, back back to the business at hand. Uh, we're both on Askar in this one, right? That's your official pick. Um. I- if, if a gun was pointing to my head, yeah. Okay. Thankfully, we don't got no no guns to your head on this show. Thank Matt thank Brown you. coming up against Brian Barberena. The ultimate zombie fight. That's that's what I'm going to call it. Please, give me your thoughts on this one. The hometown warrior. Matt Brown is going to win this. My yes, KO. Yes, sir. My wizard hat. I need to get a wizard hat. Put it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Matt Brown takes this. Um Man, Barbarina, when he first started up in the UFC, he looked good. But that back surgery he had kind of, I felt like it took everything out of him. He couldn't, I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be fighting anymore. I'm glad he is. I mean, he's still doing what he loves to do. But the doctors told him he had a very slim chance to even do this anymore. And it kind of shows in his last couple fights, just very lackluster effort low volume and man matt brown even though he's 41 that last fight he he showed that he could still crack that knockout and i was truthfully here i was against him when he was fought diego lima i had lima cracked him that's what i thought 
And uh, I think he still still has it in him. I think he can still get the job done. And the price tag isn't bad at all. If you wanted to just go on him straight up, it's just at a minus one ten. It's very it's near even. And um, I I just think that he's gonna out volume Barbarina here. So give me give me Matt Brown. I'm taking Matt Brown by KO here. Let, let me be real about this. And I don't say this often, but now that I said it, it's gonna be. Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. There's no way this is a boring fight, right? Like, there's no, there's no way in hell this is a boring fight because both of these guys at some point are going to get rocked, right? <laughs> like, we could, we could agree with that just with how the Jason Witt fight happened the, the most recently. Mm-hmm. Um, even when he's having a hard time out there, I think Brian Barberina finds his way um, to to find success in the octagon, which is insane. Um, I think more so than anything i agree obviously everything you said on point especially with the back surgery back surgeries on anyone is life-changing let alone Mm -hmm. an athlete Um, but at the same time i think what really changed his career was the vicente luque fight i think that was a historic historic fight because of how it played out and the grit determination he showed but at the same time i really think that's why he's hesitant now because he he got really battered in that fight in a lot of back surgery Really, really okay. Um, dude, it, it was that was one of the craziest fights in UFC history, and I don't care what anyone says. Watch that fight back. I'm not, I'm not capping here. That shit was crazy. Um, and he's a Terminator, bro. Like both of these guys have that, and I'm a little worried about Matt Brown's body. I think he's always had a suspect body as far as <laughs> absorbing damage to the body. Um, but dude, Mark Coleman, Matt Brown in Ohio, like the place is going to be going crazy for this fight. So that that's mm-hmm. why atmosphere, energy, matchup, this is fight of the night here. It has to be, in my opinion. Fight of the night. Wow. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. I, I, I agree. I was surprised and shocked by Matt Brown's power, but at the same time, I feel like. <laughs> you think it was a fluke? Not that it was a fluke. I don't think it was a fluke at all. Mm-hmm. I think. When it comes in that matchup, he doesn't – if he wins, he's by knockout. But I don't think he wins that fight as much times as he loses that fight, in my opinion. Um, obviously, that's how it played out. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Lima Lima has since retired, if I'm not mistaken. I hope I'm not speaking yeah, out of turn on that. I believe that. so. I believe um, so. But – and he's 41, he beat him so dude. bad that like, he age, age – yeah, literally. Age catches up to people. Um, and, it, and it happens at some point. There's a lot of old fighters on this card that don't look old. <laughs> like, mm. I feel like out of all the old old guys on this card, the only one that actually looks old is Olenek. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, this, this should be fucking amazing. And I the reason why I think it's going to be fight of the night is I think Askarov Kaikara France is going to be slower than um, Kaikara France needs to get a win, if that makes sense, as far as the pace. I don't know why. I feel like Diakise and Slava is going to be fight of the night. It's going to be round of the night. I'll give it that. I'll give no. it that. <laughs> okay. But all right. Next up, the co-main that does not deserve to be a co-main. Let, let me get this straight. If they were going to put a, a woman's fight in this division in the co-main, why would you not put Fiho in that spot? At least. Exactly. That, and she's oh, higher ranked than any... I mean, um, Jennifer Maia is higher ranked than either of these other ladies, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, it's that uh, 
that John Wood bias, I guess. They're, they're, they're liking it. Exactly. Liking the change here for uh, Joanne Wood. I just want to say, I love JoJo, man. Like, she was a, she's another one of those fighters that I became a fan of. Seeing her in the kilt, seeing what she does, um, I think her style is very unique. But over the years, I feel like she's really devolved as a, as a striker and fighter. I think her output has seriously waned. And I feel like a lot of the times you see her in spots where you think she would have more success um, and it just doesn't play out that way. Um, I don't know if it's uh, at this stage of his career, it's more physical or mental. I have no clue. Um, but given the fact that she's sticking to it the way she is, I, I tend to think it's mental, uh, which I feel like she's one of those fighters like Mike Powell that like tears it up in the gym. Like she must be. Just her style of fighting is really like it, it, it leans to that. Like when she's on her P's and Q's and looking mean, landing knees, like she's she's up there on my all violence team at this division. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like we haven't seen that come out in such a long time. It's been a while. Um, that is really tough to sort of lean on that in any way. Um, Alexa Grasso, on the other hand, is really fucking good, man. I really like that gym. Like, they're doing such a good job. Logo. Yeah, man. They're doing such a good job. Irena, Irena Aldana's uh, progression on top of um, Alexa Grasso, I feel like they're, they're just they're doing something right out there in Mexico. That's all I got to say. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, matchup-wise, I think if this ends up becoming a clinch fight, um, 100%, you start to lean towards Joanne Wood. I feel like there's a situation where we could end up in a slog fest a little bit and we end up more in the clinch than at range. But the mm -hmm. longer this fight's at range, I, I think I think Alexa Grasso looks dominant in this one. Watch out for those uh check hooks. I think I think if there's anyone getting a knockout in this one, I think it's Grasso and it'll be a check hook. That's that's my yeah. that's my call on this one. But I'm going with Alexa Grasso. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Grasso here too. Um, probably not going to end up taking any action on this fight at all. Uh, I just think Grasso has a better competition uh, that's on schedule. Um, she's younger, better UFC wins. Um, but yeah, just a pass for me here. Uh, I like JoJo. I like her in the past. She's just getting up there in age, and then we've seen what that does to fighters. Uh, sure even though we've kept a lot of fighters on this card specifically that are getting up in age. Uh, I just don't think it, this is the right matchup for her. So yeah, give me Grasso here. Listen, we're, we're over halfway through this episode and it's over an hour for sure. My girl doesn't listen to this. Alexa Grasso is on my top five in MMA. <laughs> I just got to say, I just got to say it. She, there's something about her. I don't know what it is. It's just, there's something. It, it does it for me, bro. That's all I got to say. We'll move on with that. Not Chris Cyborg. <laughs> oh, top one. Top one. You're crazy. The cake. <laughs> Cyborg got the cake, brother. No, hell no. Hell no. Um, anyway, we'll move on. This is getting off the rails. <laughs> Curtis Blades versus why did this on my list? I wrote Chris Americani. What the fuck happened <laughs> nice. here? Chris Dawkins. Nice. Curtis Blades. Now, I know you're wondering. Because I mentioned it earlier. There's a fight that I saw you were on that I'm on the other side of. And I 100% agree with you. This is a Mark Diacasey situation for me. You're breaking up just a little bit. Got you. Thank you for the heads up. Thank you for the heads up. 
so it should be good now i was just saying yeah. um this is one of those fights where it's like a similar situation to the mark d casey thing i really feel like curtis blades has all the tools to be a championship level fighter at this division at the same time i don't think he shows those tools often seeing the way tom aspinall dominated um Volkov on the floor really changed my mind about Chris <laughs> Curtis Blades. And I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. Obviously, MMA math <laughs> tends to make you look like a fool more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just feel like Curtis Blades' style, he's shown that he can wrestle for five rounds. Like, that's not a fucking question. So I'm not even worried about his cardio. I just feel like when it comes to landing damaging blows on the ground, he he can do it he's capable of it but for some reason he does he doesn't double down on his ground and pound the way i feel he should if he was like uh uh um that we were talking about earlier if he was someone that really hunted those positions and get and really put in the effort that we think he can because you train at elevation dude like you should be able to put out the output there specifically yeah if he did that i think he's 100% um, in that top three and not moving from the top three of that division. But I feel like he gets in his head a lot. And I I feel like (laughs) this is going to sound like the stupidest thing ever. But whenever I see him um, chasing for takedowns, chasing for takedowns, that's going to happen the first three rounds. But after that, I feel like 100% Chris Dawkins is live in this fight. You might even want to do a live bet on this one if you're betting. Like, if you're betting Chris Dawkins, put whatever you're putting on it and then consider doubling down because I'm telling you, there's going to be an early part of this fight where Curtis Blades looks like the favorite he is right now. And then there's going to be a later part of this fight uh, where Chris Dawkins starts having some success. Now, Chris Dawkins has not been tested in this way at all. So I could just be entirely wrong on this. Um, But at the same time, I just feel like he has real power at this division, uh, which for his frame, I'm going to be honest, is one of those that doesn't really make sense. Like we were talking about with one of those. You know, yeah. yeah, He's one of those dude, that he, yeah, dude, dude's a cop and uh, in Philly, nonetheless, you know, there was a couple uh, late night Philly cheesesteaks on that, on that beat. But at the same time, I just feel like he, he's really um, slick on the feet. Um, mm-hmm. And he, I don't know. I really like his upside in this division, especially because he's still so young in it. I, I both of these guys, for that matter. Um, I'm I'm going Chris Dawkins on this one. I'm not going to put money on it, uh, but that's my play, and it's more so because I can't trust Curtis Blades. Gotcha. So now I know which piece you're going against me in. Here's the thing in this matchup. I think Curtis Blades ragdolls Chris Dawkins, and you know what uh we might be seeing two different things here but Dawkins hasn't fought anyone with this kind of wrestling uh background not to mention there in this division that has this kind of wrestling (laughs) so it's going to be a whole different game for him on top of that Curtis Blades is about 40 pounds heavier so it's going to be a lot harder for him to get up i feel like once he gets down he's not getting up unless it's like just trying to cage walk if that even works in the heavyweight division um it's just like a a pure stylistic nightmare wrestler versus striker or striker versus grappler matchup 
where the grappler is just that much bigger and that much better. Um, and I honestly, I'm I'm have to disagree with you on that ground and pound because did you see that ground and pound that Blades had against Junior Dos Santos? Oh my, that on its own shows how vicious he could be if he wanted to. It's been a while since we've seen Blades fight in general. I mean, I mean, actually, I'm wrong. Five months ago. It seems like he's not as promoted by the UFC, I'll tell you that. But when this guy's on, he's on. Uh, Blades also has the better strength of schedule. i got to give him that. Uh, wins over uh, Jairzinho, uh, Volkov, Dos Santos, and, I mean, Adur Akimov is not that big of a name to mention, but Wins over guys like that. His only big loss is the one that was against Derek Lewis, uh, which, hey, um, props to and Lewis. And fights as well. Oh, they're probably missing that here. Anyways, yeah, they, they probably don't even have it on typology. It's weird. Yeah, he, I but, think he lost twice to Ngano. Really? Wait, let me yeah, check. Yeah, Curtis this. Blades. He, he got wait. knocked out in the first and then knocked out in the third, if I'm not mistaken. The, the first one was a doctor stoppage from a cut to the eye that really swelled up. And then the, the second one was a first round knockout. Oh, yeah. That was 2016, the, the eye. That was, I think, uh, Ngannou's second <clears throat> fight in the UFC. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That was a deep cut right there. I pulled that out of my back pocket, brother. No. Man, that was a good one. <laughs> and then, the, yeah, the other one was in 2018. Oh, they were just a little bit further down in the record. But, yeah. I I think that Curtis Blades passes this test with flying colors. Um, warranting he, he might be another like minus one thousand showing out of here. So we'll we'll have to see. But yeah, Curtis Blades is in my parlay with uh, Fioro, as I mentioned before. Nice. So man, this was super fun for me. I agree with a lot of the things you said. Real quick side note, they both uh fought and beat Shamil Abdulrahimov. Um, and, and beyond that, I agree with a lot of the stuff you said. I think he's shown that, whether it's that Junior Dos Santos fight or the Alistair Overeem fight, I think he's really shown that he's capable of putting on amazing performances. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like uh, he's another one of those guys that has a hard time putting it together on fight night uh, for whatever reason that may be. Um, I'm excited for this fight, though, because I think it's going to do a lot for both of these guys, even if it doesn't. Um, play out obviously the way I think it's going to go. I, I think both of these guys are going to grow from this fight in a, in a big way. Now, mm-hmm. we, we all wrapped up with Columbus, but there's a big fight card coming up two weeks after. So we're going to do this in no tape. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you looked ahead that far, but I, I haven't. No tape on our side. Let's I do have. three. Oh, you have already. You're itching for this one then. Three-minute breakdowns. I'm, I'm We're not going to go. Waiting. Oh, man. Wait, let, me on this one. The, the... let me Let me go on the bout order here real quick. Okay. So you want me to go from bottom to top real quick? Yeah, man. Let, let, let's go quick hitters right here. Let's go bottom to top. Quick hitters. Like super All right. Nice. We're, we're starting with Dricos Duplessis by knockout against Anthony Hernandez. Round one. Great call. Give me that. Great call. I don't know if it's going to be uh, round one, but I agree with that. I'll give you Jairzinho Rosenstrike against Tybura. Jairzinho for the win here. I'm going with Tybura by Russell Fuck. Okay. I won't, I won't be okay. surprised if I'm wrong, but. 
<laughs> we have Kay Hansen against Pierre Rodriguez. I don't know how Kay Hansen's a favorite again. Yeah. Um, give me Rodriguez. I don't even know who she is, but <laughs> ten times out of ten, I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, the, hey, those those Brazilians are sneaky. What's up next? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, over here we got Vince, or if, I'm not sure if it pronounces as Vince or Vink Pichel against Mark Madsen. You know what? Give me Vince Pichel here. Um, uh, I know, I know, Madsen wants to avenge his uh, teammates' loss, but I think Pichel beats him. Dude, I agree with you 100%. I don't know why I thought he would be an underdog, but he's a favorite. Um, I don't know. Might might want to take a look on, on Madsen, in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the yeah. same time, I agree. I, I do like Vince Purcell in this one. Then we got Ian Gary against Darren Weeks. Conor McGregor 2.0. Give me a Ireland. I'm going to make it very clear. I think that guy sucks. And I, I think it's not going to be this fight, but I think that's a, that's a fade for me down the Upcoming line. Upcoming fade. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, but this I agree. is definitely not Darian Weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Give, give me Ian Gary in this one. We have Julio RC against Daniel Santos. Give me RC here. Yeah, I'll go Probably RC as here. well. I just want to say this right now. I work right next to Tiger Showman's. I might, I might get my ass in there soon. Just saying. You, you should. Hell yeah. We got Mickey Gall against Mike Malott. Mike Malott, if I remember correctly, he is. Uh, a fresh fighter out of Dana White's contender series. Yep. Uh, give me Mickey Gall via violence choke. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, Dana White's Tuesday night contender series fade. I'm fading Mickey Gall because he sucks. So give, give me Mike Malott. Oh, give me Mickey Gall. <laughs> we have Irene Aldana against Aspen Ladd. Uh, give me a nap. <laughs> that was fucked up. Uh, I like that. I like that call. It's, it's um, going to be a very slow fight, uh, but I, I'll take Aldana. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm I'm leaning Aldana, but I actually am gonna make the Aspen Lad pick. All if right. she makes weight, if that fight exists. Yeah, if that even happens. <laughs> is that a featherweight or bantamweight? This one is a bantamweight. Okay. Next up, sound sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. Hamzat Shemaev against Gilbert Burns. Give me Gilbert Burns. Wow, you're doing Sound it. The alarm. How dare you? How dare you? From a betting perspective, I will take a plus 365 on, on Gilbert Burns. I agree with you on that. <laughs> Numbers wise, I agree with you on that. Now, after this fight is over, I'm going to say this right here with conviction. It's going to look like Hamza should have been a minus 500 favorite. I'm going to Hamza Ooh. here. And I think, he, I think he hurts him multiple times on the feet before finishing him on the ground. Okay, okay. I like that. That dude is fucking good. Scary good. Uh-huh. You're not wrong. Right after that fight, though, we have a, another banger. Kelvin Gastelum against Nasruddin Imavov. Give me Imavov. Yeah, man. This one hurts my heart. I love Kelvin Gastelum, uh, but I agree. I, I think Imavov has championship potential in this division. Oh, yeah, especially after that last outing. That crucifix, Dirty. baby. That crucifix, baby. Dirty. Dirty. All right, next we got Mackenzie Dern against Tisha Torres. Uh, I'll take Dern here. <clears throat> too, oh, too much uh, grappling. I, I, I see that. I'm going Tisha Torres here. I think she'll keep it on the outside. Uh, okay. Mackenzie Dern striking is really rough. Yeah, it's rough. She definitely has to take it down to the ground. Co-main event. Peter oh, Young versus Aljamain Sterling. My I mean, main event. Probably, Let me make that clear. 
Yeah, you you kind of already know where I'm going to go here. Uh, of course, Peter Jan, uh, the rightful champion. I love uh, the way you said that. By destruction. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm gonna I'm gonna shock the world right now. I I'm a big fan of Peter Jan. Let me make make that straight. I think if he wins this fight, we're talking all time level bantamweight champ. Have you seen the photos of Aljamain Sterling leading up to this fight? Mm-hmm. This dude looks he he's always jacked. He looks fucking on another level for this one. Um, I I'm going Aljamain Sterling here, and the only way he wins is by round one submission. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Peter Jan's one of my favorite fighters. I'm going with He is my favorite fighter. Oh, he is? Nice, nice. Oh, man. Hey, Corey Very Sanhagen nice. is mine, so fuck that guy. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, next and last but not least, main event, we got Volkanovski against Korean Zombie. Give me Volkanovski by knockout. Wow, really? Uh, I'll go Volkanovski by decision. I think Nobody named Max Holloway's beating Volk. That's it. Okay. Bro, we did that. How how quick was that? That's under eight minutes, baby. Come on, Very son. quick. Very quick. Come on, you know, who does it better than <laughs> us here at the MMA Archive? I just want to say again, shout out to you, man. This was super fun for me. We had a lot of technical issues. We had to break this up across two different days, three different recordings. But it don't matter because we get it done for you guys. Uh, please give them your handles so that uh, I could take us home after. It's WizMMA on Twitter. Give me a follow. Uh, quality MMA content. You're going to see me interacting with, with Chris a lot. So <laughs> be ready for that this upcoming fight week, especially because we have a couple of <laughs> clashing points here. But yeah, very excited. Very happy to be on here again. Looking forward to the next one. Yeah, man. Thanks. I really appreciate you coming on, man. I really love the rotation I have going on here at the MMA Archive. I feel like real soon we're going to have to do a three-part, a three-man show on this this podcast. I think it'll be really, really cool. Uh, But once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, It's always a blast. You already know, guys. Make sure you check me out at uh, Negron MMA on Twitter, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram. I'm getting real close real close to 250 followers i've, I've been at 247 for a, a couple days now come on help the guy out help the guy out we're almost there um but besides that i got a, a probably going to be having another episode of the old school mma archive where i actually look at old school events uh next week hey i'm studying for the lsat guys be nice okay i, I, I got a lot <laughs> going on right now but um, really excited to cover UFC 14. It's it's a banger. There's a lot of good fights on that card. Uh, Randy Couture is already in the UFC tearing it up. So exciting stuff to watch that history of MMA. Uh, but at the same time, as always, make sure you follow the brand OTS Media Co. on all platforms, as well as OTS Media on YouTube. It's been so cool to see the level of interaction we've been getting, especially lately. Uh, we're inching ever closer to, uh, I think it's 400 uh, on Instagram, as well as um, <clears throat> getting our subscriber count over 100 in on YouTube. So please check us out. We got a whole bunch of things going on, basketball, football, MMA, the works. We're trying to get some baseball stuff going too. So that should be interesting if we could get people on that. Uh, but Shout out to the shout out to the brand. Shout out to all of you people there that make this fucking worth it. I, I just want to say right now the fact that I've made 
uh, connections that feel like are going to last a long time in this industry already. And I just started doing this within the last year uh, means a lot to me. Uh, thank you again, Madi, for everything and coming on. Of course. Uh, looking forward to having you on again. Y'all have a good one. Good luck with your picks. Have a good night. Yeah. Good night, guys.